Hi, and welcome. <laughs> <laughs> I'm out of practice. Hi, and welcome to Praise Dionysus. Praise him. Praise him. Praise him. Praise him. Praise him. Our first episode for the year. Yes, sir. So exciting to be here. Uh-huh. Um, today we're going to be talking about Joseph and the Amazing Technicolor Dreamcoat at the Regent Theatre and Spring Awakening by the Young Australian Broadway Chorus. Oh. music fading seamlessly into my voice if Jake's edited that correctly. <laughs> I doubt he will. I doubt he I will. I really doubt he will. Um, we're back. We're, we're back. No one believed in us, but we're here. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> so, yeah. Yeah, I love a fictional narrative that makes us the downtrodden and very brave. Always the underdogs, yes. Because uh-huh. <laughs> um, they root for you. Um, here we are, Jake. Yeah. 2023. Mm-hmm. We're not no longer in 2022. No, no. So let it go. Because when was the, I, what? Sorry to completely cut off. No, I'm sure it. whatever you had to say was interesting, <laughs> but I don't care. Um, we haven't literally haven't seen each other since we recorded this podcast last. Is that true? That's true. That's it, the truth. Oh my god, that's an accurate truth. And that's I don't insane. want people to think that our friendship relies on this podcast. Yeah. But at this point, <laughs> it's the load bearing beam that's it's, keeping that rickety mansion standing. <laughs> Um, so yeah, this is just as much us catching up with each other as it is for you. God, so, that's wild. I thought, weird? Yeah, I just figured, like, when I saw you come in with that necklace on, I thought, oh, he's changed a bit since I've seen him recently, but I haven't. You've I'm had time to become necklace. a necklace guy. I'm wearing a necklace. Flynn got me a necklace for Christmas. Who did? My boyfriend. Ah! Oh my God! That's, that's what you did on the break? Yeah, it's huge. That's what I did over the past month. We've been boyfriend together for and nearly two years now. Oh. Um, so, so I tell people, okay. No, that's what were you going to say? I, just, I tell people that you've been together for three years. But that's me rounding up. It feels like it's been three years. Because it's really dragging. Because the uh, ball and chain, I tell you what. <laughs> um, no, um, Christmas. Let's start with that. I'm trying to think of how what's the best way we can sort of catch up. And I think going categorically through the holidays. Okay. And also you people at home, while you're listening, if you want to shout your stories about Christmas <laughs> over ours, yeah. that's fine. We're not going to leave any time for you to slot it in. Just shout. No, we'll add a bonus episode that's just the two of us going, oh. <laughs> uh-huh. She didn't. <laughs> that cunt. <laughs> Oh, but you know she would. Oh my god, classic her. Oh my god, I'm glad she's dead. Um, yeah, we'll do that. That'll be the next one. Yeah. Um, but Jake, Christmas. Tell me about your Christmas. What did you do? Um, so before Christmas, not to okay, <laughs> right. decide I don't want to completely answer Apparently. your question immediately, I got COVID before Christmas. Oh, that's right. Which was the best. Sorry. Um, it did a thing. You know how it's like anytime I get any sort of virus or anything, I immediately turn into this guy. Yes. <laughs> it's like the yeah. first thing to go is my stupid voice. You turn into like, a witch. Yes. And I was like, for some reason, the Almighty Lord just wants me to shut the fuck up. And it's like I get it, so do I. But I'm like, but stop do it. You? Oh my god! But if it's like such a prison, like I just start feeling like that guy from Me Before You, but like in my throat. <laughs> What's that? You know Me Before You. It's no. like a really like painfully handsome man gets like paralyzed because he like gets hit by a motorcycle, mm. and then he wakes up and I don't know. And they skip some time between the motorcycle crash and when the story begins. Uh-huh. But he can't move anything below his neck, and then oh. Daenerys from <laughs> Game of Thrones. Amelia- Clark. Amelia Clark. I know that one. I she know that one. Comes with she's a brunette and she's upbeat and unbearable. And then the two, it's, oh, me before you. Yes, 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 yes. yes it's yes. one of those movies. I I went into it being like, oh my god, I hope this doesn't destroy me. And then it starts. And then Amelia Clark is unlikable. <laughs> she, like, oh, she, I will be fine. Truly, she yeah, exactly. Yes, the thing I felt safe when she came in and she was like, hi. 
I, oh, I love living. Oh, I sure do love people. It's like, oh God, now I want this bitch dead. This is fine. And then by the end, I was like, oh, really? Inconsolable. Um, spoilers for me before you, I guess. Does he die? Oh my God. Yeah, skip ahead if you're still yet to watch me before you. Yes, because the whole time he's like, I want to kill myself. I love rock climbing too much. I miss living and living is not in a wheelchair, even though I'm in love with a dragon lady. And then, yeah, the whole time you're like, oh my God, is she going to like love him so good that he's going to want to live? And then no. Walk again. Oh god, but then no, at the end he goes to one of those like Swiss suicide factories and it's like Oh my god. Oh my god. And it's just like I mean it's good they exist. The Swiss suicide factories. Yeah. Absolutely. Great yeah. They exist. But oh my god, devastating. Devastating. I was sopping wet. Well, it was like it was like at the end of the impossible. I was like it, I know that saying sopping wet now makes it feel as if I'm using Naomi Watts' fake tsunami family to be a It does sound more like you were sexualized. Were they? <laughs> really okay. getting so the impossible is that tsunami movie. They were oh, very yes. wet in that movie. They were very wet in the movie. I'm not yes. comparing my tear-soaked wetness to their tsunami wetness. <laughs> but uh, but at the end of the impossible, I was really, really wet. Oh, I see. Crying. Had similar viewing experiences. It, yeah, you know those movies where you've just like, your whole body gets like... Every like muscle in you is like I was just crying a lot. I am not broken, so I don't. Oh, <laughs> you know when you're <laughs> loudly wailing in the cinema and grab strangers around you and beg them to console uh, you. You, know, you need to drink after a movie because you're dehydrated. Um, no, Mr. I... Ticket <laughs> Ticket Puller, tell me things will be okay. <laughs> you know I don't get that reference. Um, oh, the ticket! I thought you were talking about some elaborate character from one of those movies that I wouldn't understand. You know the Tennessee Williams character <laughs> from the Black Masua, the ticket puller. I wouldn't. I wouldn't put it past him to put a ticket puller in a show. Uh-huh. Gay man. Um, I watched recently um, about time. Oh my god! Which you and I have spoken about because I accidentally almost came up with the plot of about time in a text. And then you had to tell me that that was, in fact, the movie about time. And if you end up being a time traveller, you could have written about time. I could have written it. And just time travelled to make it sooner. (laughs) Oh my god, about time. That man does not know how to use time travel. Like, in what way? I would, if, Jake, if I found out, if if I found out I could time travel anywhere in my life, I would be... So rich. Right, so just to clarify, the plot of About Time is it's a British guy that finds out from his father, Bill Nye, Nye. that if he like goes into a closet and shuts his eyes, he can go to any time in his life. In his life, yeah. yeah. Like, he can travel throughout, and he, like, he turns into the younger version of himself, or the older version of himself, wherever he goes. Mm. And you would do what instead of what he did? I would be so rich, is what I would do. Instead of falling in love with Rachel McAdams, you would become rich. I'd probably <laughs> be able to do both. I can travel through time. Uh-huh. The thing is, like, it just baffled me that there was... Uh, one... Spoilers probably for about time. When his sister gets hit by the car. Yes. And he's like, oh, I gotta go back and fix your entire relationship from the ground up. And he goes back and tries that and gets back. But he finds out that his baby's different because it goes weird. So he just lets his sister be hit by the car. I think you could probably just call her and say, hey, maybe I can drive you. I just think there are different ways of stopping your sister from being hit by a car than trying to fix her entire relationship from the ground up. But she gets hit by the car before that, doesn't she? Like before the baby's born? She gets hit after. It's after the baby's born. And so instead of stopping her from getting in the car accident, she goes He back goes and... all the way back to when she met her abusive boyfriend, like, oh. in the very beginning of the movie. Mm-hmm. And then, like, gets her to get with someone else. And right. It does work for her, but then his baby's different. Okay. And well, because he goes back to before the sperm gets inseminated yeah, and it's but he can sperm. fully get the sister out of that car with no issues. But he just lets her get hit by a car. And also, not to be all pro-life about it, but it's like, <laughs> what's wrong with the baby that you got the second time? Well, that's what I thought. I was like... If I had the choice between a random, like, two-year-old or my sister being hit by a car, I'd probably 
pick the... This sounds <laughs> wrong. But you're not picking a random two-year-old. You're choosing a random two-year-old instead of the two-year-old you already love. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Swap it out. I don't care. If my sister's getting hit by a car, I can give or take two years, you God, know? I wish we had, like, evil witches, which we probably do, mm. but more publicly knowledge, like, with, uh, evil witches we know about that, like, live in rickety homes. Yep. And you Like the go- one from Big Fish that you swear you don't care about. Yes. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> I'm not a Burton head. I'm sorry. You are still I- describing this witch, but go on. But you can go to them... You know, like in the rain, really desperately, and without telling your wife, and go to this woman and be like, "Oh, my sister was hit by a car. Please take my baby and bring her back to me." Once again, you are describing the witch from Big Fish. Did I use about time powers and write Big Fish? You may have. You may have. You in your future, you're gonna write Big Fish. That's incredible. Yeah. Okay. Well, um, <laughs> so your Christmas, Jake. My Christmas. So yeah, got COVID, got better. And then, <laughs> oh, I was just going to say the reason that um, About Time destroyed me is, of course, that one scene of Bill Nye on the beach with his son. Oh my god! Oh my god! And just having to like go back and say goodbye to him and be like, I'm not going to be able to come back and see you again. Tears, 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 tears was not okay. No, I came out of About Time and I truly felt assaulted. Wow! In okay. the way that like I was sitting there with the person that I saw that movie with, and we were sitting outside the cinema, mm. and we were both like broken people, and I was like, that felt like assault. I've been assaulted. So, <laughs> Jesus. Right, right. Yeah. Uh, I'm not going to comment on that. That's good of you. <laughs> Thanks. I'm a very good person. Uh, um, yeah, no. Got COVID, got better. Christmas happened. And by the time... At some point between watching the Carols by Candlelight rehearsal... Mm-hmm. Mm. Immediately getting home from Carols by Candlelight, I got some sort of new virus. <laughs> Terrific. Yeah, which was good. And so then that meant that I was like vaguely unwell from then until like three days after Christmas. So I really no, just spent the whole time. time just being, you know, you know, my immune system being buffeted is mostly what happened. Immune systems. That's what it's all about, baby. Mine's been awful recently. Uh-huh. Yeah, I've just been sick for like, I had just a regular cold and it knocked me down for like nearly two weeks. So I, I know it's exactly a regular cold mean. then. Well, no, it's just I think like regular it is. cold systems it was for a, a reg- fortnight. It was a regular cold. My my body is I'm, my ear pressure is still a bit weird. Uh huh. Um, yeah, my so I I feel your pain. Mm-hmm. It's shit. It's annoying. Okay. Um, that's, that's me solidarity. How did your it. Christmas go? Uh, well, I haven't heard anything about your Christmas. My Christmas, it was fine. It was like average. Yeah, average in the sense that it was fine. Oh, I got, uh, uh, I got, here we go. Oh my God. I just, talking gifts, which is what Christmas is about. <laughs> ho, ho, ho. I going to bring it up next, so I'm glad you beat me to it. I, no, you sound greedy. God. My cousin's sister gave me Rob Mills's book. What? <laughs> oh my God. Your cousin's sister. My cousin's sister. Your... My cousin that is my sister. Remember, I have a redneck like family. Sister. Yes, yes. Okay. <laughs> yes. Gave me Rob Mills. You don't book. speak so good, <laughs> and that's that's just a sign that she knows me well. You know, yeah. That is a sign that she knows you very well. Because he goodness. wrote like like it's like a quasi memoir, and it's also like an analysis of contemporary masculinity in Australia. And I care about both of those things: the life of Rob Mills and masculinity. Quasi memoir sounds like a, like a dark and evil version of Quasimodo. Oh sure, yes, he's slightly more French brother and a little more literate. So we can like read and write. And do you think he's also hideous but has a great memory? Yeah, exactly, exactly. Or a he's, bad memory. He's got a great memory and he's like a very eloquent writer, but no one will ever listen to him because he's a he's a hunchback. Okay, great. Quasi memoir. <laughs> oh, that's that's fantastic. Thank you. Um, right, write in if you want to see that show. I'll, I'll make it. Um, Christmas. That's a great gift. It's a fantastic gift. Um, yeah, so I've started reading that. It's good. Got to learn about his like really lovely relationship with his brother. And also about the things that make men want to kill themselves so much. Like a little bit of a man cold. 
I'm you misandrist. Poor, poor we joke. Are, we as men <laughs> are going through a lot in this country. Yeah, you know? I do not like the angle of this conversation, <laughs> but that sounds like a good book, and I, of course, do not discredit men's health. Oh my god, you're so brave. I love, I love men. And he also, he's about, he's like the spokesperson for Are You Okay Day? Is he? He is. That's that somehow thing. makes sense. Right? It, it very, Are You Okay Day very much has the energy of Rob Mills. <laughs> yeah, yeah. It, no, you're absolutely right. And I, I can't put that into any more clear words, but you're right. <laughs> and I'm also struggling a little bit with like the tone with which he writes seems to be the tone with which he lives his life. And I enjoy people who write books in their own voice. Um, but it's, but there's something about the, the, his like larrikin style of saying stuff. Is that how <laughs> he talks? Really? He, he does in the way that like he's one of those people that does say very like familiar, quintessential, masculine like hot year eleven guy phrases. Sure. So he's your dream man. A little. Mm. <laughs> yeah. It's just yeah. It's it's fun to see that written in a book. He does a thing it, it, within I've maybe like a third of the way through it, and twice already he's done the thing that I hate in when people. Like, <laughs> I hate when people say it, and I especially hate it when people write it. <laughs> I mean, I'm still marrying this man, but I can't stand it when it's written down. It's like, I, I explain a concept to you. So I say something like, James, <laughs> uh, when James is going somewhere good, he wears one of his fancy necklaces. I love that. Oh, okay. I, I cannot stand... What, what particular... is Like, the, that particular construction <laughs> I, no, of words? I or? cannot stand anytime someone brings up a thing that someone does or some sort of concept or something and then afterwards says, I love that. Sure. Okay. I hate it and I think... And reading Rob Mills' fantastic book is what caused me to interrogate why. And I think it's because... I think it's because it feels... It's like... It's the sort of behaviour that makes it seem as if you are walking through life stamping things with your approval... And it's like, right. I don't super give a fuck if you <laughs> yeah. approve of something. Like, tell me what it made you think about. Don't just be like, oh, that's good. I don't, that's, I, yeah. Yeah. Somehow it feels like assault and giving something a thumbs up. It's the second time you said you felt assaulted today. Are you all right? An assaulting. Oh. You know. That's like, a more likely thing to say. <laughs> like the, the royal figure that invented sultanas. Ah, yes. King Jasmine's Sultana. dad. Yes, yes. yes. Jasmine's dad. <laughs> yes. Okay. Uh-huh. Jafar's boss. <laughs> At the beginning of Aladdin. A boo-boo. <laughs> um, well, my Christmas was good. Uh-huh. Um, oh, you also had a Christmas. I did have a Christmas. Okay. Thank you very much. Um, were you done? Was there anything else you wanted to say about... Doesn't matter now, does it? You want no, to talk about your Christmas. I do. So, um, no, it, Rob Mills, was there anything left to unpack Oh, there? I can talk about Rob Mills for days. We don't have to. Okay, yeah, actually, it's a wise move. Um, I went to my... I went to Flynn's family's for Christmas, uh-huh. which is very nice. It was the first time I haven't done, like, a family Christmas with mine. Okay. Um, so... Oh, so you didn't have that... Oh, did you have, like, an early one with them? We, my immediate family, we do, like, a, a sit-on-down, have a dinner, just the five of us, which is quite nice. Yes. Uh, so we did that. Uh, but no, we um yeah we had like it was the it's family traditions changing. We're not doing the big family Christmas anymore because mm-hmm. all the children are grown up to a point where everyone's sort of being pulled in different directions. So you're doing a purge instead. We're doing a purge. <laughs> God, that'll be fun. Christmas family purge. <laughs> it's just oh, it's just just my family. Yes, that's it. Just <laughs> locked in a house. The police get called every year. <laughs> and every year, like, we can't go into the house until the purge is over. <laughs> yes, they're following the rules. They're following the rules. <laughs> they like good cinema, what can I say? Uh, so after we purged each other. Yes. Um, so I, we, we went to Flynn's family for Christmas, which was lovely. Was, his dad hosted. It was a gorgeous um, time. We had a good time. Mm-hmm. Um, and then we wandered on back. And on the way back, what mum and dad are doing, because they live in Fitzroy, we, they sort of said, 
anyone come on over throughout the day, we're having drinks on the porch, we'll be around. They were just saying that to like pass it by. strangers in the street. Yeah. You there, boy! Um, <laughs> no, family members, Jake. Oh, yes. Yeah, 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 yeah. and friends. Uh, so <laughs> on the way back, we um, swung in with mum and dad and sort of debriefed about their Christmas and our Christmas, and that was very nice, had mm-hmm. a few drinks. Um, and I think if we're talking good Christmas gifts, first of all, this this... If you can hear that, that's the necklace. That was meant to be the jingle jangle of his amazing jewellery. Uh, that Flynn got me, I quite like. Uh-huh. Um, and the... Yes, I like this necklace. It's one of those ones that looks kind of like a bike chain. Yes, yes. I, I appreciate that it's a thicker one. It's like a chunky chain. It's not like a... a th- Flynn's got a really nice thin one, and I, I didn't want that. Because you want to look richer than him? I want to look different to him. Oh, sure. <laughs> It'll take more than it, that. It will. <laughs> um, we're both going to bleach our hair soon, so wait until uh, that fun little clone double up. Um... <laughs> But I got a coffee machine. You got a coffee machine? Uh, like one of those ones, because you love one of those like fucking at-home milk frothers. <laughs> no, it's not an at-home milk frother. Oh, it doesn't froth? I'm being different. It's it's like a, my, my housemate got it for me. It's like an AeroPress machine, like a slow drip situation. But the best part about it is... Yes. <laughs> you can set it up to brew the day before. So you can be like, start brewing at this time. Wait, so you can hit a button. Mm-hmm. Oh, wait, it doesn't drip between you pressing the button. No, no, no. You can say, How start at this time. How slow does a slow time. drip drip? It's okay. I, I, I How just, slow I does a slow drip drip? <laughs> How, How slow, slow does a slow, slow drip drip? Um, yeah, that had, uh, that was not, not uh, no, it doesn't have a slow drip. I misspoke. Oh. It's just like uh, one of those ones where it just pours in at the top and like the filter goes in the machine and it just sort of drips out. You know? It's like an old school American jug of coffee, you know? Ah, like they put the coffee in the top, the water drips through, and it just Through that, like, cony filter thing. Exactly. exactly. And then the waitress walks around the With the, the big, giant jug. Yeah. Which is what we have in the house now, the big, Great. giant jug. Oh, so fun. you can set it up for the morning, and then, I've spoken for coffee for too long. Spoken about coffee for too long. Let's move on from this. That's interesting. Yeah, but that's, that's like... That's been, I've been really good. It's been helping me a lot. Uh-huh. Stay alive. Okay. Um, so that was Christmas. Great. And then along came... Polly. Bad movie. Continue. There's a ferret in that movie. There's a... <laughs> I forgot that your finger is so on the pulse of ferret <laughs> representation. <laughs> it's the only thing I remember about that movie. There's a ferret. <laughs> is along came Polly the one where he's, like, calculating all the, uh, like, uh, threat level of everything? Yes. I yes. believe that's the case. Because that's the one where, like, Ben Stiller is really germophobic and stuff. And then Jennifer Anderson is like, let's eat all this stew with our hands. <laughs> and he's like, uh, let me look with my computer brain. And it does that weird little... <laughs> Thing? Possibly, yes. Yeah, yeah. right yes. in, right I've in. I retained a lot of it. I keep that and you, me, and Dupree in the same suitcase in my mind, and I don't like to Is Owen Wilson in You, Me, and Dupree? He's Dupree. Why do I only know bad movies? <laughs> <laughs> and ones with ferrets in them. <laughs> this is a ferret, I definitely know the movie. Yeah. Um, <laughs> I'm sorry, that was a very share moment of you. What was? <laughs> Just your yeah, did, just then. Sounded oh, did a I? little bit like share. Yeah. God, okay. It's happening. That's okay. <laughs> I'm turning into... No, it's good. Yeah. Fernando. <laughs> uh, so New Year's came along. It did. And I want to hear... I want to I hear about your experience, baby. Oh, okay. My experience, baby. The baby to whom I turn when anything happens to me and I let them know all my secrets. My wow. Ex- Wah. It's the sound of the experience, baby. It's very. It's got a lot of gravitas. Oh, it's a, like a wise aged baby. I'm imagining like a like a large baby, mm-hmm. and its head is even larger than the body. Than the body, and the body's already bigger than a normal baby. How is the head propped up? It's like on a cushion, and it just sort of oh. sits there with this like <laughs> biblical sort of hands out. Yes. And it just goes like wah, <laughs> and then in that moment you know. That's great. Do you like that? I don't mind that actually. There could they? Go. Could the baby be kept in that like? top of the hill 
like gazebo that in three hundred they like hundred percent yes yeah those hideous yes. men that like watch that dancing girl be naked in the sky <laughs> yeah I didn't really pay attention to the plot either um, <laughs> what do you think that's part of the plot and they're like Leonidas you can't go to war oh the face <laughs> the f- is that what they call them I feel like there's is another it three word three women. No, it's like, no, if it were the fates, I'd know. No, it's like, I forget the name of it. It's those, like, cloaked, hideous men who keep, like, 14-year-old girls. Oh, that's right. They sort of shout a bunch. Yeah, they sit there and they're like, let's ask this hot child. (laughs) And then they're like, should we go to war? And then the girl's like, (laughs) and they're like, there's a sexy dance in the air. Where's the 300 stage adaptation? Oh, my God. Oh, my God. Don't even. Just a whole number of kicking people into pits. Oh, my God. Yes. That would be fuck yes. Oh Jesus! And okay. then no, and also you could, if you did a stage adaptation, surely you would put both three hundred movies together because they happen parallel to each other, which I didn't realize until the end of the Do second they? one. Yeah, I didn't realize until the end of the second I've one. I've only seen the second one once. Oh sure. Yeah. Yeah. yeah okay. Yeah, it takes a while to get interesting, and I also don't know, like understand why the guy playing the lead character in the second three hundred movie was just like some guy. Because <laughs> three hundred was Zack Snyder, wasn't it? Uh yeah. Yeah, because he also did The Watchmen, which is one of my favourite movies. And then he also did... didn't Isn't he the... Nerds keep telling me that he's the reason that the DC universe didn't work or something? Oh, yeah. I don't really... I'm not really a DC person, Jake, so I can't actually comment on that. I like how you say that as if that sets you apart and makes you cool. <laughs> it's like, having an opinion at all about that is <laughs> pretty dweeby. <laughs> uh, 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 we're going to move on. So, uh, New I'm Year's... more into Spider-Man. <laughs> Actually, I am more into Spider-Man, and Spider-Man is part of the Marvel Cinematic Universe, so, um, actually, that's not gonna make much sense for me. Um, Shulk was a travesty. Um, uh, she, she, they're just putting she in front of Hulk now. Yeah. And now you're turning into Iago from Aladdin. Oh, God, I am. The whole gang's getting mentioned. Was Iago, um... Gilbert Gottfried? Gilbert Gottfried! It was, too. Great. God, that really is that voice, isn't it? You know, Gilbert Gottfried was one of the narrators for uh, the 2001 Broadway production of Rocky Horror Show. Oh, wow. Gilbert Gottfried. Like the guy with the book. It was a dark and stormy night. Like, that would have been great. Okay. So with Penn and Teller, they did like a rotation of a bunch of celebrity guest narrators. Oh, cool. Yeah, I thought it was a really cool touch. I didn't realise until recently, because of the internet, that Wendy Williams was mama in Chicago at some point. Really? Yes. (laughs) I mean, that makes sense. It does a little bit. A little bit. Okay, wow. Um, (laughs) New Year's, let's go. Come on, you. New Year's. What happened? Take me back. Take me back. Um, Take me away. um, Oh, so I was working at fucking Mexican fusion restaurant. Just making guacamole. Making guacamole. And then I was there until about like 11.30, 11.45. Oh. Oh. Gotta get pretty close. Pretty close, of course. It was very anxious and tense. Um, yeah, we were stacking up tables and then I was like, oh my God, okay, the shift is done. And so then I grabbed like beautiful German guy and then like hot Dutch man and then Nuria. And then we went to, who was just like colleagues of mine. Yep. And we were like, quick, let's Not shuffle. Just strangers in the street. <laughs> yeah, I need three foreign people. Quick. <laughs> um, yeah, and then we, yeah, and then like scurried down to like the Yarra River and me being the local had to be the one to be like, this way, this corner, quickly. Oh, true. That's really cute. Oh, sure. <laughs> that sounds like a fun New Year's experience. It was fun. And then, yeah, got to the river then saw the stupid fireworks and was like, yep, yeah, that is how fireworks look. And then after that was over, then we went back to stupid Mexican restaurant. Did you have a New Year's kiss? Uh, no, no. Okay. And I, no, I didn't mean to say that as if that's a stupid question, but given that, that you know me, it is a stupid question. <laughs> no, sometimes you, you, you're adventurous. Sometimes you, you, and you also... You end up doing things that defy any expectation of what I think you're going to do. So I just, I've stopped giving up predicting. I've, I've given, I've, I've given up stopping. Oh, I've given up predicting. <laughs> when you think I'm going to zig, 
I gunk. <laughs> yeah, stupid sentence. <laughs> <laughs> Gonk is actually actually the name of a droid from Star Wars. So, um, you're actually a nerd is what you just admitted to us. No, no, what you've admitted is you're a Marvel person and you're a Star Wars person. I am both of those things. But you're also a Star Trek person. I am, yeah, absolutely. Star Trek is a utopian version of the future, so it's fun to watch because it makes you feel good. Oh, right. Like, it's, it's a version of the future where, like, we have no money, there's no gender, it's like everyone's happy all the time, the government's good, the police aren't evil. It's like, oh, So where is the conflict? Ugly planet. The conflict is, it's all about, like, respecting new life and, like, discovering new life and sort of clashing of moral ideals between civilizations and how people can come to greater understanding of each other. Mm-hmm. Like, that's sort of it. And then there is, of course, Klingons like war, so I guess we'd better do a war now. Like, there is a bit of that. Okay. Yeah. I saw recently the third Fantastic Beasts movie. Oh, I've heard very bad things. I couldn't believe how bad it was. Really? It's that thing of like, so many people had to say that this was fine to make. And it's like, but guys, this plot's terrible, paper thin, and nothing interesting happens. Really? A bulk of the plot is, okay, so to outsmart Mads Mikkelsen. (laughs) I mean, great, great actor. Of course. Oh my God, Hannibal any day of the week. But like... Eat me. The idea is like, okay, so uh, what's his fucking name? Grindelwald or Grindelwald, depending on who you're talking to. Um, what can... was his name? Um, Jamie Campbell Boa? From the original, in, in the original movie, um, in the Harry Potter, like there was a brief flashback where he was played by Jamie Campbell Boa. Because Jamie Campbell Boa was Sweeney Todd, right? Not Sweeney Todd, but he was Anthony and Sweeney Todd. He was, but wasn't he young? Or was he young Voldemort? He was, was young, young Grindelwald. Grindelwald. I'm not yeah, a nerd. There you go. <laughs> Jamie Campbell Boa. God, he's good. God, he's good. I'll feel you, <laughs> Joanna. We need to change those words. <laughs> um, yeah, so much of the plot is like, okay, so Grindelwald can see the future. So what we have to do is be really confusing so that he can't work out our plan. Oh, that's the... I hate... That is such a plot device that is used too frequently. Yes. That is a dumb thing. Super duper dumb. So then you have like all this time wasted of like these five unbearable characters who legitimately have a moment on a train where they sort of look at each other and they're like, oh, as if this ragtag bunch of people are going to get this done and like pause for laughs it's like Great. literally who the cunt Great. are you people <laughs> and then yeah they have to watch them waste a bunch of time just fucking around they doing did nothing. a Rick and Morty sure they did a Rick and Morty you you are really showing all your nerdy colours I you? am and I'm, I'm entering the new year being prouder of who I am <laughs> um Okay, so that was your New Year's. No, sorry. Yeah, so that film was just awful. <laughs> Top to bottom, it needs to be Bad stopped. Movie. Anyway, um, what was I saying? New Year's. Oh, yeah. So then, then we you went... You didn't back. have a smooch by the river. <laughs> no, I was unkissed. And then went back to the Mexican restaurant we work at because they were doing like a, like a midnight until like 3 a.m. thing there. Um, With the staff? No, for like people that came f- for their New Year's to be at oh, this wow, like, nice. tequila bar. And yeah, so then we just like dicked around there. We like hung out with the chefs for a while. And then um, beautiful German man was like leaving in a couple of days after that. So it was like nice to sort of like spend New Year's with him. And then, and then after that, I went with my pals Ethan and Halea and we went to this like outdoor rave thing. Oh. Like near the fucking, what's, what's that bridge? The oh, West the underpass. Bridge. You went to an underpass rave. It wasn't an underpass. I was expecting an underpass. It's like a, like a, like an opening in the, in like a, like a fieldy opening near. Oh, that sounds nice. It was great. It was like a nice, weird, like, you know, when those sorts of things are really lovely and it's like, everyone just seems like upbeat and cheerful and yeah. open. That was just like a, a and like dancing. It was just, yeah, it was like a nice way to start the year. Gorgeous. So if that's an omen, I'm open to it. Dancing. How was your new year's? Uh, your New Year sounds fabulous. My New Year's was also fabulous. Uh-huh. Went to I went with 
uh, Flynn's friends. We had like a pre- little pre-drinks with some of them, mm-hmm. which is very nice. Just sort of debriefed about the year. Uh, and then we went to a house party for... So I went to two house parties. So the first one was Flynn's friends. I was there until the actual drop of the new new year. Uh-huh. Um, we sort of... Um, no, go ahead. Thank you. Uh, we <laughs> ran around. But it was one of those things of like, you know when you go to a party with someone and their friends and it's just like, it's actually a high school reunion for them and okay. you don't know anyone. So there was a little bit of me just sort of being like, uh, I'm about two years older than all of you and mm-hmm. I don't know who any of you are and you all know each other very well. But they were really nice. <laughs> so I just sort of, there was a possum at one point. A possum? Yeah, we were sitting outside and a possum climbed along the clothesline twice. Oh, Flynn didn't go to school with a possum. No, oh. no, he may have. <laughs> but the possum wasn't there. Um, so ended up, New Year's, the actual hour, I was in like a, it was one of those parties where they had like a DJ set in like just a room with no windows and mm-hmm. no ventilation. Perfect. So it was really hot, really sweaty, really fun. And then... <laughs> yeah, sorry. When you said fun, it sounded like a lie. You enjoyed it. I had a great time. <laughs> I did. I'm entering my dance era this year, I've realised. Oh, okay. I've always been strongly against dancing. Uh-huh. But I want to be that person now. A person that dances. That dances. How often? Often enough, like once a week, I want to dance. I want to go out to a, a club and have a boogie. But in terms of, oh wow, mm. oh, you that's want to be like... I don't want to. I'm not. I'm nowhere near wanting to dance where I think people can see me. Okay, <laughs> but I'm, I'm more open to the idea of dancing in a dark and dingy room. Quack quack. Okay, mm. sure. Because what do you enjoy about dancing now? I don't know. I think I'm getting behind the, just the feeling of just letting yourself go. You okay, know? you think? And just like oh, okay, just leaving it all on the dance floor. Okay. <laughs> I'm just going to leave it all. I'm going to drop it here and leave it. Is that okay? I'm, I'm going to leave it here. Is if okay? your problems can be left on a dance floor. Yeah. I, yeah, great. Any problems. I hope that anyone out there... If I you're sad, get out there and dance. Yeah. And I apparently pray that good. your problems are slight enough to have them solved by dance. Okay, that's hurtful. <laughs> um, so that was that. And then as soon as New Year's dropped, I was like, goodbye. And I went to another house party and left Flynn at his house party. Uh-huh. Um, and it was like one of those house parties where... Sort of you, you approach from a distance, and as you get closer, you think, "Oh goodness, there's a lot of people." Okay. It was, it was like, I had not seen this many people at a at an event at a house party before. Uh-huh. The backyard was huge, and just people everywhere. The indoors was big and full of people. Mm-hmm. Found my friends and just sort of had a boogie with them, um, and then ended up yeah getting home at a respectable time and having a good sleep. And that okay. was my New Year's. Great, great. Yeah, and yeah. as you worked out, when you went into this like throngy jungle of strangers, mm. did it seem like the sort of collective that you wanted to belong to? Or were you fearful of the general vibe? Oh, I'm always fearful of people I don't know. Uh-huh. But um, yeah, they're, like, they're very... They're, they're, everyone there seemed... At the first party, seemed very, like, north side artsy. Very, like... Oh, approachable. Yeah. <laughs> Uh-huh. uh-huh. Yeah. <laughs> no, like, they, they, they all seemed like they all knew a DJ that performed at, like, the Night Cat or something. Oh, or, yes. You know, like, they all seemed very trendy. Mm-hmm. Uh, and the second party, likewise vibes, but a little more queer, which was quite nice. Okay. The first party was, wasn't as wasn't as queer. The second one was like, oh. Look at all the acceptance rounds. Okay. Yeah, basically. Yeah. So that was nice. Okay. Yeah, and New Year's. Uh, do you have any resolutions you're trying to maintain? Um, I, the only thing that I've come even close to being a resolution, I suppose, like I'm trying to, <laughs> I think I'm trying to get into a place where like, I'm, I'm very open to like romantic factors in my life. I'm fine with them kind of like being 
like exciting and weird and random and like popping up, going away. Like I'm, I've for a time now been open to that idea of like, I don't just <laughs> sorry to immediately get like out of nowhere <coughs> emotional. Let's dive. The thing of like, and this wasn't a thing I came up with on New Year's. That's just a thing that seems to have happened around the time of it. The years changing was like, I'm fine to like come across people and have really sort of like beautiful, lovely sort of like entanglements with them. It's like, that's fine. But I think I need to get to a place where like, I think a resolution is like, cool, but I would like (laughs) for me and the person that I've entangled with to at least on some level be like explicitly aware of what's happening. Because I'm kind of sick of like entering entering into kind of like vague romantic somethings and then feeling like a crazy person when they sort of like end. And then I'm like, did how, like I I was left to invent too much of what I thought this was Mm. throughout the entire thing. And then I just end up feeling like an idiot at the end. Yeah. And so I think I'm trying to initiate this idea of like, and part of it is just having conversations with people. Yeah. Um, and yeah, and not just letting myself fall into like vague wallowing of like, I think we have something kind of special, but yeah, you, but he said nothing <laughs> that explicitly leads me to believe that. It ignores me directly. Um, <laughs> yeah, that's a version of it. Yes. <laughs> it sounds like you're going to be an advocate for yourself in relationships going forward. That's the goal, but like watch that. me fail at it. But sure. Yeah. That's what about you? How are you going to be different beyond dancing? <laughs> uh, mainly dancing. I'm expecting yeah. it's going to change my life tenfold. Um, nah. but I think I'm going to get on top of my sleep because I sleep awfully. Mm-hmm. Like I sleep really bad. Yeah. Always have. And it's been getting worse. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think it's a lot of the reason why I'm sick all the time. I think it's a lot of the reason why my immune, immune system is so low. Mm-hmm. Uh, I think it's a lot of the reason why I'm always tired and never have any energy to do anything so I've got a referral to see a sleep specialist okay um, I'm gonna go in they're gonna put diodes on my head and be like your brain's doing stuff and I'm like yeah that's why I can't sleep um, <laughs> so I'm just ready for them to slap some sort of diagnosis on me and then I can start working on it maybe you'll get to have one of those like like ugly elephant machines that like hooks up to your mouth no it's not sleep apnea no okay I didn't realise you were the specialist <laughs> no no it's just like she, the, the doctor I saw she was speaking this isn't a usual referral it's more cerebral it's less physical it's not like I have like a breathing oh. issue it's like my brain doesn't shut up when I go to sleep so <laughs> sure okay it's your noggin it's my noggin oh it's, it's too stupid for sleeping <laughs> <laughs> I'm sorry you're far too dumb <laughs> Sleep is not for you. <laughs> You'll just have to survive. Um, uh, yeah, so that's... And here we are in 2023. We made it. We made it, maybe. Yeah. Um, and we're going to be talking about so much that Midsummer's coming up. It is. In a big way. Uh-huh. In a huge gay way. Uh-huh. And queer. Also. And non-binary. Uh-huh. And plus. And plus. <laughs> Don't forget the plus. Don't forget the plus. All, <laughs> that suggests anyone things. can join the club. <laughs> yeah, anyone can join this club. Come on in. The water's... Tepid. Oh. Oh. <laughs> oh, God. Not what I thought. So I'm not going to get into this pool with you. Why not? <laughs> I'm so sweaty. <laughs> um, yeah, do we need anything else we need to sort of touch on? Mm, no, I feel like, no, we've been pretty rigorous with this. So. <laughs> yeah, All right, um, let's um, talk about some theater. Theater? Yeah. All right. Hi, James. Hello, Jake. Hello. It's a pleasure. Um, <laughs> yeah. Um, I went to the theatre. Great. Yes. Good start. I agree. Thank you. I went to the Regent Theatre. Oh. One of the big fancy glorious. ones. Glorious. Yes. Yeah. Yes. He has rich history in that building. Rich history. <laughs> <laughs> 
Hmm? <laughs> 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 Move on. I, I went there to see Joseph and the amazing Technicolor Dreamcoat. Oh, I always forget the amazing. Do you? I always just say the Technicolor Dreamcoat. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. yeah no, it's it's a mouthful. It was a question. You know that's um Andrew Lloyd Webber's music musical with the longest name. That's interesting. That was on a trivia recently that I, I was the missed. longest name. Is there like one that would be like a close second? Isn't everything else Cats. quite brief? I guess the Phantom of the Opera. Yeah. Jesus Christ Superstar? No, probably Phantom of the Opera. Starlight Express! What was that one with the cricket or the lawyers? He, he like, the last one of the last, most recent ones he's done is, like, a really shit one about cricket. The cricket? Oh! Cricket? On the green! Oh, the one about know. soccer. Oh, soccer. Maybe it was What's soccer. it called? Balls. It's called... <laughs> <laughs> it's got, oh, like, the greatest game? It's called... Yeah, it is. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. You know what? Let's just stick with greatest game. So, the <laughs> Joseph the Amazing Technicolor is by Andrew Lloyd Webber and Tim Rice. It is. And I went to see it. <laughs> Great. Oh my God. Um, I'm very excited to hear about this show. There's a lot going on in terms of like this show. As we've, like, I feel like it was me alone talking about it the first time that it came up on this podcast. Yeah, talking about like the controversy surrounding this show's existence and like yeah. this iteration and this production of it. Yeah, definitely. Yeah. Um, yeah. Which is a thing that we'll, yeah, talk about as we talk about the show mm. at any point, I guess. I, don't I suppose to, so. I don't know how to order of these issues but there's a bunch of stuff going on yeah which is a fun way to begin 2023 for us yeah with a conundrum <laughs> with a conundrum right yeah um yeah went alone went inside sat down show started and then yeah whereabouts were you sitting it's a big theater i think i was like row o i think you could just say row i could say that that would save me some time mm. yeah but it was like there's like the, the front collection of seats like that there's like that that like sort of trapezoid is that a trapezoid a 2d shape or is that a trapezoid trapeze- i think is like the yeah the or a trapezium long meh, uh, Okay. Yeah. Does that helpful, guys? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, there's that first bank of seats at the very front in front of the stage, and then there's like a little break, and it sort of like splinters off into three prongs oh, yes, of yes, seating. Yes, yes, yes. I was like the second front row of that prong of seating. Oh, pretty good. Yeah, it was fine. <laughs> yeah, I uh, sat there, then the show started, and <laughs> so, <laughs> it was all downhill from there. <laughs> so, Paulini's in it. Oh, really? Yeah. Why did I miss that? I don't know. Who does she play? She plays the... Well, that's the thing. She plays the narrator. Okay. And she also plays Jacob. And she plays Potiphar's wife. Is that usually how No, balls? I don't... No, I don't think that's a common thing to have happen. No. Normally the narrator just plays the narrator and sometimes they put on People a funny wig. People just kept it out. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Paulini. Paulini just kept having to fill in. <laughs> Come on, Paulini, step on. Yeah, so when she was Jacob, she'd put a beard on, and then when she was the wife, she'd be, you know, predatory and strange. But, mm. yes, so... Th- there's uh, so many things going on in this show. Okay, so the show begins, and... Wait, so first of so Paulini, obviously, is from Australian Idol, and from yes. The Bodyguard, the musical. And from The Bodyguard, the musical, where she had to perform with a tracker on her leg, I assume. God, she's so talented. She's... <laughs> Oh. <laughs> I did leave the bodyguard during the interval. Why? Because it was bad. Oh, but it was fun though. How could you leave after seeing Queen of the Night? I mean, Queen of the Night with like her face projected onto the steam. Oh my god. I mean, god. that was very good. But that's the thing is like, if they can do that in act one, what's going to happen after interval, James? Where are you going? I think I was just sick and tired of Paulini's, um, the, the accent she was doing. Oh, no. <laughs> I think just something about it just really... Does that, me... No, that, that means that you missed that scene where she was like, I want to go to lunch! <laughs> You mean me every damn day. Um, no, I, I did miss that scene, yeah. Ah, oh, she's incredible. Um, but yeah, so she's playing the narrator, Jacob, and Potiphar's wife. And Great. then Yeah, and so... She's got range. She's got range. And then, yeah, Ewan Fistrovich Doidge is playing Joseph. And then Shane Crawford controversially got cast as, like, the pharaoh. Mm, it's just a whole bucket of wrong. <laughs> 
Yes. <laughs> but yeah, that's something we'll get into. All but right. yeah, so the, for the people that don't know what the plot of it is, I don't know how long this will take us to get through. I'll go really brief, but I feel like we'll get distracted. I, I personally, I've never seen it. I don't know anything about the show. Oh, sure. So the show itself was made to be able to like teach the story of Joseph from the Bible mm. in the Old Testament to like children in, in like high schools. And so Tim Rice and Andrew Lloyd Webber put this show together and then it just went so well that they were like, maybe we should put more money into this right. and make more money from it. And then that's how it became a thing that got onto main stages and ended up in Melbourne inexplicably today. Terrific. Yeah. Um, yeah. So the story itself is... <laughs> so the thing itself is like framed as like this narrator telling us the story and that's how we sort of like get from place to place. Right. So even like, would swoop in and... Yeah, so she would, like, instigate the... Okay, we'll do the plot first before I start talking about how the show starts. Okay. Because that's a whole different fish kettle. Okay? <laughs> What's a fish kettle? It's a kettle of fish. Okay, okay. I... Yeah, so... J- Jacob is an old man. He has 12 sons. Yep. Joseph is the youngest, and he likes him the most. <laughs> As in Jacob likes Joseph the most. Jacob likes Joseph the most. Oof, because rough. he reminds him of his dead wife. Ooh. Yeah, <laughs> and so ever the fantastic father, he's he's not gonna like keep this like <laughs> you're my favorite son thing a secret, and so he decides to get a wonderful <laughs> multicolored coat made to be like for his favorite son. Dude, yes, <laughs> and then all the brothers are unshockingly like, um, <laughs> pardon, <laughs> I am ever so chilly. <laughs> Nights are freezing. That's it. Even a brown coat would do. A sheep rag. <laughs> I don't care. So Joseph, yeah, gets this magical coat and then also has this strange like ability to interpret dreams of his like his own dreams and other people's dreams. I can do that. You can do that. You can yes. see the future with dreams. Do you get it right though? Well, they haven't happened yet. But... <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Uh, 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 <laughs> but that flood's coming. <laughs> you better look out. So, yeah. And then the brothers all get jealous. And so one day they decide, okay, let's just kill him. Because, you know, it's the Bible. <laughs> I love the Bible. It's like, we can't do it. Kill him. Yeah. Old Testament was scary. It was. Mm. A really spooky That's what time. religion should be. And so they take him out. And then they're like, okay, let's just pretend he got, like, attacked by a goat and died. And then, but then <laughs> these, like, slave traders come in. Wait, that, was that the actual plan? Attacked by a goat? Yeah. A lot of steps in this plan are kind of confusing. Okay. Yes. And so and then the slave traders are going by on their camel and they're like um we'll take him and they're like oh okay and so they sell their brother instead to, to be a slave for these people okay um yeah and then you know hijinks ensue afterwards but yeah but we'll get to the rest of the plot but that's sort of like the instigating event great of what happens um so the show starts and it's Paulini sitting around with these children Children. Children. I about the children. Is a whole thing we have to talk about as its own issue. Not issue, gift. <laughs> <laughs> I think we can do a bit of both. <laughs> so is Paulini sitting around this, like, what's ostensibly a campfire, and she's talking to these real children. <laughs> so, what? What I guess was a campfire. <laughs> 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 I mean, this <laughs> Bit of a stretch, but I guess. Okay, I'll believe you. <laughs> um, oh, before even that, so I, okay, all right. I heard that there were children in the show, forgot that there were children in the show. Great. And then how am I reminded of this? Not with the show, with the, oh my God, <laughs> with the like voiceover, which oh, I have such no. a complicated relationship with. The voiceover that's like, turn your phones off, but it's like, hi, <laughs> I'm Johnny. It's truly like, it's a kid coming in being like, Huh. Oh. Don't forget to turn your phones off. It's like fine, have a child voice. That's fine. But then where I lose it is where they they get into this like faux conflict, like these two voiceover children, and they're uh. like, and it's not as if the kids wrote this dialogue. It's not their fault that it's bad. Yeah. But then the other child is like, but they can turn their phones back on for the mega mix, can't they? And then the other kid is like, oh, of course for the mega mix. Uh. Like, um, can't 
I don't know what the Mega Mix is. Please tell me you got your phone out for the Mega Mix. <laughs> of course I did, but I didn't, yes. know, I didn't know what the Mega Mix was. It's like, wh- what's the... And no one looked confused. Like, guys, how do you all know what it the Mega Mix... Kesha Mega Mix. I wish it was the Kesha Mega Mix. Mm. Apparently, what, what I then found out is like, at the end of the show, they do very much like... What was the show? that uh, Moulin Rouge. They do the thing oh, they of do like... Oh, a whole... Yeah, it's yeah, like, oh, yeah. the show's over, but everyone loved the journey so much. Let's go back and revisit some of the classic hits. The show's <laughs> over, but shit, we still have 15 minutes to go. <laughs> so yeah, let's sing all the, like, everyone's favourite songs. Great. And so it's like, that's the Mega Mix, and it happens at the very end of the show. Great. But it's and like, I'm already at this point, it's like, okay, that's a lot of child to deal with immediately. <laughs> and also, what's a Mega Mix? <laughs> Someone has, is it a mixture of nuts? Is it nuts? <laughs> and why would I need my phone for it? I don't know. So, anyway. Okay. <laughs> so then, so I've, had, the then I've come to terms with like, okay, there are going to be children in this. And then it comes up, Paulini is around this very convincing campfire. Thank you. Yeah, that's better. And you're talking to like six little children. And I'm like, okay, they are full on children. And there's only six of them. Yes. And at that point, yes. Yeah. And it's like, okay, they're not just like short men. They're children. And so, yeah, then it starts and she's talking to these kids. And it's like, oh, there's a story of Joseph and stuff. And yes, then, then the show starts. And the whole thing sort of like hangs in this thing of like, she's telling these children the story, but she's also telling us the story. Yeah, okay. So, that, so that's why the narrator is like an essential thing in terms of like just moving the story forwards. Yep. Um, um, so yeah, then it starts, and then we start learning shit about like how this fucking world works. <laughs> I sound mad about it. Sounds so. Oh my god. <laughs> um, so go on. What's next? So it begins. So then, kind of like in terms of like tone and genre, not genre, tone and style of this musical is it's all eclectic in terms of like the styles of the songs that happen. As in, they're all different. They're all di- yeah. <laughs> I'm dumb. <laughs> that is no way to simplify what I just Thank said. You. Yeah, that um, the there's a lot of different. Yeah, the, almost like every song is very different in terms of like there's like a rock number, there's a French one, there's a country music one, there's a yeah. Oh these my are all, god. Yeah, it's a lot of choices. It's a whole bunch, which I think points pretty immediately to like one of the large issues that I guess we should get into is of like how racist this production feels. Yeah, I'm sort of gonna get out <laughs> in front of that one. Yeah. <laughs> Um, I want to hear about it because I've only heard that the show is racist. Sure. I want to say how racist it feels. It's just like, that's the thing that people are talking about when they're talking about this show. Yes. Um, that's the major issue. Sure. Yeah. So it's, yeah, it's interesting to see all these people in turbans. It's interesting to see this thing like mm. set in Egypt. Um, and you know, like the general vibe of like the caucasity of some of the ensemble members, I suppose. Like that's just like a thing that's blaringly in front of us. And it's a thing that's been spoken a lot about, especially on social media. But it's still just so confusing that it's still happening. It's confusing. And this is what I came back to in terms of like my experience of this show, watching it. Um, Of course. And as I said in the other episode where we talked about this, it's like all the stuff about representation and the things about like, yeah, cultural appropriation, all those things, absolutely all those things. Mm. And I think we're all very familiar with that argument. Mm. Like, yeah, these people are wearing turbans. It's set in Egypt, all these things, who should be cast in these roles, all of that stuff, of course. I'm going to assume that we've all had that conversation. Yeah. Um, On top of that, therefore, if you're going to stage Joseph and the Amazing Technicolor Dreamcoat, and if you're going to embrace all of those very, very valid concerns... I don't understand why you would explicitly even set it in e- like set it in Egypt. Yeah, that's confusing to me. In the way that it's like it's the Bible, it's a musical, it's an of course an adaptation, it's a new production. You don't have to set it explicitly in Egypt, and the piece itself almost points you in that direction with all of these songs being 
they're not even in a cohesive musical world. Yeah. Like this whole thing almost exists as the Bible does to many people, as we learned at the end of the Book of Mormon. It's all just like a metaphor. It's all just fables. Yeah. Like so you, you can, can just do it however you want. You can to do it do however it. you want to. You can set it in some like dream universe where it's like Egypt doesn't even exist. Mm. You can if you need to call it explicitly Egypt, Egypt can be a different thing. You don't need to have as they do in like the end of the first act and the start of the second act, you don't need hieroglyphics and like pyramid symbology. You don't yeah. need this you don't need to set it in this world at all. Like it can be just this extraction, it can be this thing. Like the the, the, the those Canaan days is a French number. You know, like so much of the songs mm. in this piece pull you out of reality into this like musical theater universe. Why don't you set it there yeah. where race isn't such a thing? Then you just need to worry about the socio-political context of the casting choices you're making. Then it becomes an industrial issue. Which means oh. you don't have to, to, to whatever extent they try to, seek out, like, Egyptian performers for the piece. You know, you can just find a, like, a wonderful group of diverse performers that are capable of telling this story from the Bible. From the, <laughs> it's, it's funny you say that about the... Because I, um, I can't get into it right now, but I saw a show for Midsummer that had a lot of, like, very similar storytelling techniques of, like, they just broken up parables set to sort of a religious tone. Mm. And, yeah, they did it in a way that was just completely nebulous as to where it was. Mm. And it worked so nicely. Yeah. So I think that's a really good idea. You should get on the horn to bloody uh, uh, Tim Rice. <laughs> I'll do that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Hey, Tim. <coughs> yeah. So, I... <laughs> okay. so, yeah, it confused me. Mm. That, that, that that seems to me like, a, like it's a solution that the show almost gives you. Yeah. And it's crazy to me to think that they didn't just do that. Uh, it's just uncomfortable. It was pretty wild. I don't know. So, I don't know. That's my thoughts on that, I think, outside of like, I don't know. That was strange. I, anyway. So then, so children. Okay, back to the actual show. <laughs> yeah, children. Unless there's anything more on that issue that you want to talk about. No, I think, as you say, I think most of it's being said. Mm. It's just baffling that it's still happening. Yeah. Is all that I have. Especially because I feel like if it's going to happen, I just want to believe that a production of this size, you would sit down and like you would talk about that issue and come to a solution. Yeah. As opposed to just like, no, we'll just take the heat. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Yeah, it is very strange. That it's just because it's like you keep saying, there's so many layers for that show to get through to get to a stage. Yeah. It's just weird that no one said, hang on a second. Yeah. 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 Baffling. Yeah. So um, children. Children. So the show's full of children. Great. And I th and and they're all very talented children. That's a statement that I'm saying first. They're all great. Great. <laughs> um, th th what I ended up having to do was reflect upon my relationship with children on stage. Don't make a pedophile joke. I was <laughs> not going to make a I can see pedophile. your <laughs> <laughs> Um... In terms of, like, the effect it has on me as a person watching theatre. And I'd say especially theatre on, like, a large main stage like the Regent Theatre. Mm. Um, and so... <laughs> oh. I, no, no. So I just sort of, like, struggled with, like... The, the things that I ended up reflecting upon while watching these very talented children in this show was, like... It, it, they throw me out of the world of the show mm -hmm. because... It requires my brain to do a thing where it's like, because they're children in such an, like, a, they're obviously children. They are not it, hiding. It, like, it fumps me out of the the, the lens I want to use when watching a large-scale musical. Mm. Because any time a child walks out, my brain switches, and I felt like the audience did it too, but maybe I'm just projecting onto them. It's like, it switches you into... Watching a, like a like a like a primary school production, it switches me onto like oh we're watching like a like a like a drama school showcase or sure. something. That thing of like okay, 
I, I need to watch this with like a, a softer mindset. Mm. I'm here just to watch a talented child, but it's like I'm I'm more here to watch like a lavish musical spectacular. Like I'm not here to watch really talented kids be kids. Yeah, and and even like scenes that they're in. With adults, I'm thinking like, oh, how nice it is that they're like working together, and like, I, I, it's, I would love to know what it's like for these adults to like work with these kids, and I bet these kids are having such an enriching time. Like, I bet this is great for them. So much that you can't really it's because that, that of yeah, because that's all I end up fucking thinking about. It's just like the interpersonal dynamics of working with children. What about when it's like <laughs> one child on stage, and because I can I a whole group of children, I would also not be able to focus on the show. Mm. Um, but if it's like I don't know. Um, a show with like one or two children on every now and again. Mm. Does, does that still pull you out that much? I don't think so. And I think, and I, that's the thing. And I was thinking about like shows like Matilda and shows even like shows like the full Monty shows like Billy Elliot, mm. like thinking about those things. It's like, I think, and yeah, I was trying to work out what it was because those somehow do sit differently. And I, I think me being me, I do tend to always find children on stage irritating, yes, but same. I think that's more to do with my relationship with children. Yeah. And but I think with those shows that I just listed, I think there's something in the fact of like the roles being written for children and their childness being inherent to what it is that they're performing. Yeah. Whereas with this, they were casting children as like three of the brothers were played by children and mm. they're all meant to be adults. Yeah. Potiphar in Act 1 is played by a child. <laughs> right. And I think on top of that as well, and maybe this is a separate issue, but like... The children had more lines than all of the women who weren't Paulini. <laughs> <laughs> Good. As it should be. It's like, yeah, like, I'd say 60% of the role of the adult women in the cast was to wear, like, gold sort of, like, bikini outfits and walk around like Egyptians. <laughs> oh. Which, I don't know. That's not surprising. And they did it really well. But it's sure. like, but then it led me to have to think about like, if I were an adult in this show, would I be frustrated that that like nine year old has more to do than I do? <laughs> yeah, I, I, I don't know. The whole <laughs> idea of that many children in a show is not something that makes me want to see it. <laughs> I want to stay away. Yeah, and and it's even like yeah, with this like really talented boy playing Potiphar, who is like the guy that Joseph gets sold to. Mm. It's like okay, it's like. The number of times the joke was like, oh, that's a child playing an adult. Or that child it oh, has like an adult yeah. voice coming out of their mouth. It's like, oh. It's like, yeah, but I'm here to see a show. About this. Um, and even, and it was the thing then too of like, I wish I could see an adult. Like when the, all the brothers, so the, when the 11 brothers would come out and do their numbers together, mm. you'd see how talented these adult men were. Yeah, right. And it's like, fuck, I would have loved to be in the rare situation where you get to see an ensemble of 11 men performing like a group number together yeah. and getting to see them working at their full capacity. Yeah, But right. instead, three of those men are children instead. And it's like, I get that some people find this really cute. I get that some people really love to see these children be amazing. But it's like, I would rather see 11 men. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, the moment you say it was written as a child's show for schools... Oh, I can, does... you can justify it, absolutely. It, it, it... it... But that puts me off. Sure. That that is like the fact that it's just a it's come from a child's show for schools to teach about religion, mm -hmm. and they've just taken it to the main stage makes me feel a bit scared. Sure, sure, I understand that. Yeah, that that tentativeness for sure. But again, like the power of adaptation, the power of like artistic license, and the power of like a good artistic direction. Sure, like anything yeah. can go from something underwhelming to something oh, absolutely. incredible. Yeah, but everything I've ever heard about Joseph and the Amazing Technicolor Dreamcoat has not made me want to see the show. I'd say that even fans of it know it's stupid, and yeah. its stupidness is part of 
of the appeal. Like, I feel like that's a lot of Andrew Lloyd Webber's works. Hundred percent. That gimmick. I mean, apart silly. from Phantom, there's certainly other examples, but I think the majority of like the really popular ones, part of the appeal is like, fuck, this is like absurd. Absurd. Like, why is Cats, Starlight Express on roller skates? Starlight Express. Yeah. You know, my parents saw one of the original productions of Starlight Express in London. When it was on, like, the terrifying... When it was roller skates. Yeah, when it was the big, like, velodrome-looking thing. Have you watched that, like, little documentary about the making about of that? how many people fell over and hurt themselves all the time? All the falling down, the amount of training they did to be good yeah. at roller skates? Yeah. I have watched that documentary. Insane oh, amount of work. Nuts. And they're like, I, all I know is roller skating now. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. We should... We should we, you and I should do a two-man Starlight Express. I can't do roller skating. That would be funny. Okay. We'll say we've decided to do it without the roller skates, but with all the same choreography. <laughs> Just a lot of frantic running. <laughs> um, okay, Joseph with the Amazing Technicolor Dreamcoat. Um, yeah. So I was like, how was the Amazing Technicolor Dreamcoat? It was a pretty good coat. I liked the part where, like, they... So, like, they put the Dreamcoat on Ewan, and then... So they put it on Joseph, and Joseph's already wearing, like, this ugly vest. Mm. And I really liked this moment of, like... So they took the vest off him... Put the big gay coat on him. Good. But then, like the like the tailor, like the man that made the coat, has you know one of those like torsos that you display clothes on. Yes. So he took the vest off Joseph and then put his ugly old vest onto this mannequin that the coat was just on. Mm. And I invented this world where it's like, okay, and now something about the way that Taylor then exited with this torso and the vest was like, are you now going to take this vest and find a poorer family who want to make their poorer version of Joseph feel special and give this <laughs> shitty vest to him? <laughs> okay. All right. So what you've done is you've just made something up. That's good though. That's good. <laughs> Maybe that was the actor's intent. <laughs> Maybe. That's right. I've got to find my motivation. <laughs> I think there was fun stuff happening, absolutely. Right. Um, and then, so then there's of course like Shane Crawford who plays like grown yes. up Potiphar, um, Pharaoh. Yeah, he's like the Pharaoh, and he Go has like on. this Elvisy number where he's like, "Ho ho ho, welcome to Egypt. I am rich." So he's doing that. It was how, good to see how Shane. Was it? I I really like Shane Crawford, so I was open to it. I've always just thought that he was like so handsome and strange and like a refreshing style of footballer when he was a footballer. Mm-hmm. It's like, oh, this is nice. A, f- a person that we can sort of openly make gay jokes about and gradually, you know, get people acclimatized so that maybe in 2040 we can have an openly gay AFL football player. Yeah, okay. <laughs> All right. Well. But yeah, no, I've always thought that he was quite sweet and strange. Um, but yeah, he's fine. His voice was fine. I think it's like, as I sort of talked about on my own in that episode that I had, it's like, it, like I don't mind you casting someone that isn't that great at musical theatre who's like a white person in today's industry to play a villainous character who doesn't need to be that likable. Like he, yeah, I remember he, listening to this episode. You and I disagree. Sure, totally. Fine. That's yeah, yeah. Fine. No, and he like has a bunch of slaves, mistreats the protagonist. Like it makes sense to me that he, I don't know, and maybe it would hang better in a show that wasn't, you know. A bit invalidating in the way that it represents people it's in just, other cultures. Yeah, came in buckets and spades all at once. And even like, it'd just be so great if it's like, whether or not they attempted this in the media or not, but like, if someone in this production could have come out and actually said something. Yeah. About these issues. But no one did. No. And even like, paint it as an artistic decision. Mm. Like, say that you are engaging with something socio political. Mm. Like, even if people disagree with what you're doing, at least we know that you're doing it on purpose and then yeah. we can have a conversation about it and maybe do better in the future. Christ. Yeah. Um, yes, so so that brings us. There are so many issues to talk oh my about God, in the show. More. Of course, no, I'm excited. So, 
Yeah. Um, unless there's anything you want to say about Shane Crawford's performance. No, I just, I've, I've heard that the, uh, all, I, my, I'm not being shady, but I've just heard that it's mostly auto-tune when he sings. Oh, sure. Okay. It didn't and I think if you need auto-tune to be in a musical, you shouldn't be in that musical. <laughs> Doesn't sure. matter if you're a footballer or whatever he was. Was he a footballer? He was, yeah. Okay. Sure. But again, Shane yeah. Crawford. Again, there was nothing remarkable like about his singing voice, but... Then why is he on the main stage of the Regent Theatre? That's a solid question. Okay. And I'd say it's, I don't know, a valid thing to do if you're doing it for valid reasons. Or can be at least perceived for doing it. Carry on, it. move on, I'm going to get Sure. <laughs> okay, so the, just to keep hitting you with <laughs> tough issues. Now yeah, that we've tackled out. racism, right? <laughs> let's go to it. sexual assault. Oh, terrific. <laughs> yes. Trigger warning for sexual Trigger assault. Trigger warning sexual assault. So, yeah, so there's this scene... That happens where... So Paulini is playing Potiphar's wife. Oh, yes. And she has a crush on Joseph, who is enslaved by her and her husband. Mm -hmm. And so she sees Joseph, and, like, in song, she's like, "Um, oh, we should have sex. And he's like, no, I don't believe in free love. Ha ha. That's a joke. Sure. (laughs) And then, yeah, and then she... (sighs) The choreography of the scene in the musical was she crawls under this, like, leopard skin rug that still has, like, the leopard head and paws attached, like, uh-huh, at the hands. Uh-huh. So Paulini crawls under this rug, then has the leopard head Does on her cats. head. She, yeah, so leopard head on her head, and her hands are in, like, the hands of the leopard that is now a rug. Okay. Yep. And now she's sort of, like, flomping around mm-hmm. with that on, sort of jokingly pursuing Joseph, and then ends up on top of him, and then he is then consumed underneath the rug... And then the physicality of it kind of suggests that she takes some sort of sexual advantage of him. Oh. And then he pops up afterwards quite rattled by what's just happened to oh. him. And then the song ends and then everyone claps. <laughs> <laughs> Terrific. Yes, with smatterings of laughter in it. And it's like, it was... The, like, I went in knowing it. Like, people were saying like, oh, there's like a, like a rape scene that gets played for laughs. And I was like, okay. And then going in, I thought I'd be ready for that to happen and just be like, okay, intellectually, I can go through this. But there was something about watching all that happen and then it ending and then this crowd clapping that was very much like, there's a why am I... Uh, yeah, and I yeah. felt like, why am I alone in like sitting here like shocked by this with everyone around me that at least that I could see it was like quite like jovial and clappy. I'm fine with it. It was like... I'm capable of taking things and, like, not being, like... I'm a relatively, like, strong, resilient person in terms of, like, sitting in an audience able to, like, take yep. shocking things in in real time. Yep. But this was a thing of, like... It feels almost, like... Oh, dangerous sounds like I'm a dramatic cunt. But, like... The, the, well, it, it does. It, it, it feels like there's something normalising and dark about this happening in front of everyone. And... <laughs> quack, quack. And no one... Finding it unpleasant. Well, yeah, that sort of seeing that and not seeing people sort of get a bit angry about it does sort of feel like the slow rise of something. Yeah, like what? What? Like I feel like why wasn't there even like a, a couple seconds of like oh yeah, and then like maybe like fifty percent of the audience is like now we clap. But the whole thing was played for laughs. <laughs> well, yeah, it was like all goofy, and it's like, I guess audiences at big stage shows like that yeah. are trained to laugh when it's presented in a certain way, aren't they? Oh, totally. Like, yeah. And I feel like yeah, there's just a bunch of people in an older generation who maybe <laughs> are used to that sort of humour. Yeah. And that's why it's still being done. And that's... But, but you're right. It's still sort of the question of 
why has no one told anybody that this is <laughs> not what you should yeah. be doing on a huge stage where a bunch of children can see? I would have, yeah, that's the thing too, isn't it? Yeah, because yeah, really they're going to yeah. see that and be like, that's a funny joke, I can make a joke like that, or they're yeah. going to think maybe my experience is, you know, like, it's just... Especially in the wake of, like, r- like recent Australian stage stuff that's happened yeah, yep. that isn't dissimilar to that thematically. <laughs> yeah, entirely. <laughs> like, so closely. Like, multiple stories. Yeah. That's baffling Jesus. to me. And like, and even then too, of like, you could have, why didn't you try to artistically solve this in any sort of way? Yeah. You know? Like, like turn it from that into like some other, like maybe she's, she wants to like shower him with gifts and treats or something. Or maybe she wants to like take him, take her on his arm around the town. You know, like there are other ways the, of doing yes. that. Yes. And like, and I don't know what, how much freedom you have with these sorts of adaptations, but it's like, sure. Literally she says in the script that she wants to like, have sex with him and then the pharaoh needs to find them in some sort of embrace or something or she needs to tell the pharaoh that sex has happened and then that's the reason that he gets thrown in jail, you know? But it's like, nowhere is it like, oh, in the midst of him being against his will penetrated by the pharaoh's wife, (laughs) the pharaoh enters and is like, stop currently having sex in front of me. You know? Like, have you never seen, like, a soap opera or a sitcom where it's, like, they just happen to be in a suspicious-looking embrace and then the fairy yeah. jumps to a conclusion? Yeah. Could there not have been even some level of Joseph potentially being conflicted and then ending up into it or something? And you just downplay the level of coercion that happens? Like, is there not... There are so many ways. There's so many ways. And you need to pick one that isn't having just Paulini jokingly sexually mm. assaulting Ewan Fistrovich Deutsch. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. And adding, a pr- like, like a predator creature costume to it if anything just highlights how predatory it is it doesn't add a level of like oh I'm like a rape mascot now so it's not real (laughs) yeah I heard a a rumor that the original choreography was it was a child playing the pharaoh's wife oh my god (laughs) yeah I'm not sure how true that is probably completely untrue and I may already disagree with what I said but I heard (laughs) that the original choreo was it was a child oh my god Oh, Balenciaga. Make of that what you will. Balenciaga. <laughs> Hardly know her. Oh proudly. Uh-huh. Um, all right. So, sexual assault, <laughs> racism. Yes, these are both bad things. Right. <laughs> Something that's always irritated me about this show is like one very specific thing where it's like they. Sorry, it feels strange to transition from such heavy issues to like minor text grievances. <laughs> so, energy up, energy up. Getting too sad. There's Come a on. thing where it's like, of course, this is from the Bible. There's a line that gets sung where it's like the kids in one of these songs, um, it's like Joseph's in jail and the kids are like encouraging him to, you know, like believe in himself. Right. And they're like, in the lyrics, they're like, we read the book and you come out on top. Which is enraging to me because it suggests that the Bible's already been written. <laughs> These encouraging children have read the Bible and then they've somehow spoken into the Bible <laughs> to Joseph <laughs> yep. saying that, don't worry, the Bible already exists. Well, I guess if it's, if it's in this framework of the narrator telling these children the story. Yes. I guess it's the children being told the story... As they manifest in the story itself to Joseph, who is a character in the story, <laughs> yeah. that they've read the story well, that just... they're being read <laughs> right now. Yes. Okay. Yeah. There's a few loops there. Yes. So, yeah. So to speak your language, it's as if a bunch of... 
A bunch of dweebs in a park playing Quidditch shout into Harry Potter 1. <laughs> Don't worry, Harry. <laughs> There's like five more books to go. <laughs> I'm not that much of a Harry Potter fan, so I actually didn't get that at all. If you insist. Um, Um, That irritates me. that is weird. That's annoying. Um, On top of that, I thought it was like a bit of a (laughs) cop-out on the part of like whoever made this decision. One of the more racist-feeling songs, (laughs) because you know how all the songs are different genres. Yes. One of them is like a Caribbean reggae tune. (laughs) Oh, no. And like the lyrics are essentially like, He's honest as the coconuts. Oh. <laughs> and like, he's as straight as the bamboo tree. It's like, it's all like, hmm. all this, <laughs> all these metaphors about, yeah. Bamboo? Yeah. And yeah, being as. Coconut. A, yeah. And right. he's as, he's honest as the coconuts. And there's like, and it's relatively, it's somewhat like famously a problematic song in terms of this musical. Yeah. And to solve, I'm using a little rabbit bunny quotes I can say he is using rabbit quotes ears right now and he says solve so I don't think he yeah he's being sarcastic about the word solve <laughs> solve this issue is by giving all of those offensive lines to the children <laughs> <laughs> you can't be angry at a kid they don't know any better yeah I see the logic behind that yeah and yeah. it's not like boys logic. will be boys <laughs> We told him not to sing this song, but the kids love coconuts. Here's a gun, you deal with it. Um, you wouldn't shoot a kid. Um, you don't know me. Um, uh, yeah, that's 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 a good fix. Well done. Yeah, hit it on the head there. Yeah, there, so that was the part. Super duper something. Oh my um, god. Um, so yeah, not to continue on my anti-child tirade, which I acknowledge is largely happening inside of me. I think just as like. As I've already suggested, as we both suggested, there are solutions to the problems that this musical and presents. And they're not hard ones. They're not hard ones at all. Mm. And I think, like, you just you just trade out the children and make adults be them, and then yeah. you it just turns everything into, like, just lean into metaphor. Like, so much yeah. of what theatre is is just metaphor, like, at the base of everything. It's just, like... Treat your audience like they're a bit smart. 100%. We can pretend that it's a different place. It's fun. We, we don't need it to be it. This is all suspension of disbelief. Yeah. I don't know what you're doing. And it's mm. like, again, fantastic that these talented children got an opportunity. But moving forward, <laughs> it's just like, get adults to play these children, mm. make these children a metaphor for children. Yeah. And then just like, just have like a competent group of wonderful people doing Joseph in a world that is divorced from reality and mm. in this magical interpretation of the Bible <laughs> that it's based on. Yeah, hopefully, I, I wonder what the next big production of Joseph and the Amazing Technicolor Dreamcoat will look like. Yeah, and also just I want I want Paulini to be in something amazing. That is true. I, like for the only things I know she's been in has been this and um, the, the bodyguard. bodyguard. And then was she in chess when they did chess? She was too. I didn't see chess. I really wanted to see chess. I love chess so much. I wanted to as well. Rob Mills, my husband, was True, in Rob it. Rob Mills, your husband, was in it. <laughs> he wrote a book, don't you know? <laughs> he did. I actually met him on the street on Brunswick Street. <sighs> good for you. You deserve that. You it's really right. care about him. Right. Right. He and I had a good chat. <laughs> oh, I um, spoke about you. <laughs> said horrible things. Uh, I want to bring up, and I know that I've spoken about this show for a long time, but I want to bring up a thing that happened on the way home. <laughs> okay, sure. Okay, is it okay? That's fine. Yeah, it's, it's not, part of the experience. It's not in any way about it's part the show. Of the experience. It's just this thing that like it upset me, <laughs> and maybe it, it can you know affect someone for the for the better. So I was on the tram going home. Mm-hmm. There's this like so I'm standing up. Yep. To my right on this tram, there's like a boy and a girl sitting next to each other. I say they're probably like 17 years old. Mm. 
Yeah, right. Yeah. Good, yeah, good 80s studio audience. Thank that is you. sexy. Yeah. <laughs> so they're sitting next to each other. Uh-huh. The boy has his iPhone. He's got one AirPod in his ear, one in the girl's ear. Yep. I think sharing your music with someone like that is one of the sweetest, loveliest things you can possibly do. It is so lovely and vulnerable and romantic. What do you think about that? I do it with Flynn all the time, yeah. No, I, I, I love doing that. I don't... I don't necessarily do it and suddenly get overwhelmed with emotion oh sure but the act itself the act itself is quite nice yeah yeah, yeah. It, it, it's also just a feat of modern technology that you can do with an airpod bloody easy yeah, oh. I did want to talk about Steve Jobs' commitment to technological technological advancements we can, we can. <laughs> I've, got, I've got time no, but no you know I agree it is all those things I think it's really nice so I thought that's yeah. so sweet what a fantasy I'd love to be doing that right now on the tram with someone that I like liked <laughs> <laughs> uh, but but, mm, you know, you're the way you are. So. I am. Um, <laughs> do you reckon they were listening to Joseph and the Amazing Technicolor Dreamcoat? I hope for their sake. There are some good songs in that musical. I've never listened to any of them. Oh, my God. You should listen to... they. And, again, the performers in this number during the musical, when they did One More Angel in Heaven, mm. which is this country song that they sing. Oh, that they do. That. Oh, my God. So fucking good. It's They sing this song. So they've just sold Joseph to the slave traders, but their plan is to still tell their dad, played by Paulini, that, that he's actually <laughs> dead. So the way they do this is they come come back to Jacob and they're like oh <laughs> then this country music starts like and it's like so the content of the song is essentially being like the lyrics are almost like so you know how you've got 12 sons you no longer have 12 sons <laughs> <laughs> and it's like don't worry though he's in heaven now so there's like there's one more angel in heaven and they're just like and it's like the darkness of it quack quack quack, quack. It's just immaculate. Great. Okay, I'll leave oh my God. that one. That's the thing. The, the wonderful things are capable of happening in this musical. Yeah. You just need to make different choices. Yeah. <laughs> um, so, yeah. I assume this, yeah, this boy and girl are listening to some sort of song. Maybe from the musical. I couldn't tell. But so then what happens is the girl, during one of these songs that the boy is clearly into, and of yep. course he's showing it to her. He must like it. Yeah. Turns to him and goes, do you like this song? And he's like, yeah. And then she goes, are you gay? Oh, <laughs> that I'm trying to imagine a scenario where that isn't a devastating thing for that boy to hear. Um, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> and so it's like um, I witnessed this boy. What did he say? <laughs> so it's like I see him. I see his body shape change. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. And it's like I'm watching it like a TV show. It's like wh- how do you? I can't even. Fathom this. And so then he's like, what? And she's like, oh my God. And so then he like, of course, hurriedly like changes the song to something else. Yeah. I'm like, that's so upsetting. I'm so mad at this girl. What a horrible little girl. And so then it it goes on for a little while. He's coping with it. I'm coping with it. I'm very brave. (laughs) (laughs) And then maybe like three or four minutes later, he says to her while they're listening to another song, because inexplicably he hasn't stormed off. (laughs) Yeah, fair enough. Um, Says to her like, oh, do you like this song? And then she's like, um, yeah, I do. It's like, do you? And then he's like, no, I think it's pretty gay. No, no. Yes. Not a yes. Well, I suppose a yes in that, yes, he's retorted in some sort of way. Oh, no, but he's being serious. But even just in the way, like, him responding like that, evidence that it did affect him. Yeah. Like, it was clearly upsetting to him. Yeah. And, and like, yeah, it hurt his feelings. And it's like... 
seeing in action this thing that felt very late 80s of like <laughs> someone yeah, getting gay. yeah someone getting accused of gayness and then seeing in action that affect the way that this person then behaves like watching oh. like a sweet boy who might have been listening to Joseph or listening to like a Katy Perry song showing it to a girl he likes her accusing him of homosexuality and then him like being affected by that to whatever extent he's affected by it just made me so upset that's really sad <laughs> it was I, really sad I think you care about strangers more than I do <laughs> I'm sure that's correct but I'm I'm, I'm I'm sad for him oh it made me so angry you should have punched her. I should have punched her. Yeah. Right in the face. Right in the tram. <laughs> Do it. <laughs> yeah, but I don't know. So um, I hope they had a long conversation about that. And I hope she never does that to anybody else. Maybe it unlocked something deep inside him. <laughs> and made him aware of his gayness. Maybe. Look, if that's what it did, I thank her. I still think she shouldn't do that. She probably shouldn't do that. No, no. <laughs> I'm not saying she made him gay. Well, sounds like, <laughs> sounds like someone's out there gayifying the world. And I'm, I support her. <laughs> Oh, is there anything you want to say about, you know, the Bible, about children, about people being rude on the tram? Um, no, not about rude on the tram. Bible, I've got things to say, but I, as I said, I saw a show recently that I'm going to discuss with you soon that is about religious things. I want okay. to save it for then. Great. Um, it just sounds like a baffling conundrum of a show that is so surprising it happened. Mm-hmm. Um, that's all I have to say about that. There was a funny bit that happened okay. where we went to Egypt. And then either side of this very beautiful entrance that they did during like the start of Act Two, where we're in like full blown like mummy style Egypt, oh. and there's this, there these like these two people standing either side of the big lavish doorway that are sort of dressed up in like you know those like big jackal heads. Yep. That are featured in like Egyptian iconography. They're wearing yep. these big jackal heads, George. and something terrible, like something really stupid, happens that everyone in the palace laughs at. And when these two guards in these big heads laugh, they put their little hands in front of the mouths of the jackal heads. Oh, <laughs> that's really funny. That's really <laughs> I cute. Thought it was that's fantastic. a nice touch. Yeah, <laughs> it's the little things, isn't it? It has to be the little it things. Has to be the little things. If the big things are wildly problematic, child featuring <laughs> Andrew Lloyd Webber musicals, <laughs> it's gotta be the little. It's things. gotta be the little things. Well, there you go. Yeah, go. go Andrew. Yeah. Go Joseph. Go, go, go Joseph. That's you know what they say. Yeah. There you go. Yes. Um, oh, and just to close, because I brought it up with James just now off microphone. <laughs> so much of what the children did was them lip syncing to recorded children. And I felt like that was necessary to bring into the podcast because that just seems like cheating. Yeah. And lazy. Well, especially if you're going to get on Shane Crawford for potentially using auto-tune. Yes. Children mouthing along to recorded the ghosts of potentially dead children. Maybe don't <laughs> give the children that many lines. <laughs> well, most of this spoken, like, text talking was them talking. But a lot of, like, especially early on, any part where it was like, And now the children hauntingly sing. Was just, like, <laughs> recordings of children that these other children. That's baffling. Yeah, well. That just, if, did they have microphones on? Uh, not during those sections. Maybe don't ask children to perform in your show if they can't remember the I lines. was about to say something very similar. But I didn't <laughs> want to come out as anti-child. Oh, I'm anti-child no, and I'm rude. So that's fine. And as Jeanette McCurdy taught us, maybe we shouldn't be putting children in the entertainment industry. No, it seems like a bad idea from the ground up. Mm-hmm. I think that keep them away from that as long as you can. Mm-hmm. I don't want to see a world where all babies are played by full-grown men. <laughs> like, just... It's why wow, they train! Wow! It's why they go to NIDA, you know? Yeah, yeah you've <laughs> got to learn. Yeah. Yeah. I could play a baby. You could play it like a banjo? <laughs> Probably more like a flute. <laughs> <laughs> like you're just sort of over the mouth. You're blowing into a baby's mouth and playing them like over a flute. Over the mouth, across the mouth. Oh, like a flute. Like a flute. Not like a clarinet. <laughs> yeah, no, I'm not going, come on, baby. <laughs> Sticking their baby tongue in your mouth what like a reed. What would the worst instrument to play a baby like? I'm going to go ahead and say a drum. 
I was going to say trombone because you'd have to like break their leg. Oh, <laughs> Jesus. Oh. Trigger warning baby death. Trigger warning baby death. <laughs> oh, oh, it's 2023. It's good to be back. We're back. Oh god, who said that? Jay! Oh my god, who is it? It's me, the I... ghost of Purple Summer! Oh my god, hello, your spookiness! Hello. Hi! I'm fabulous! <laughs> um, Jake, we went to see a show. Who did? Both of us. We'd... Separately? Separately, we went to see the same show, but not together. Yes. How's that for a... Uh, Good and clear. Logistical. Both of us with Olivia Lowry, our dear friend. Oh, no, Olivia went with you as well. I went with Olivia, you went with Olivia, she went to see the show twice. Great. There okay, you go. Cool. Um, we saw Spring Awakening, guys. We'll probably say that. Yes. Um, Olivia's he'll... brother was in it. Yes, full disclosure. Um, her brother was in it, and he was great. Yeah. Um, so, we went along. Yep. Jake, now here's a little bit of... Uh, Jake and James deep cut lore. Yes. Uh, the first time I ever saw Jake was in a production of Spring Awakening done at Monash University. Yes. Uh, and I did not know Jake at that point in time and would not know him for another few years, but I saw him in that show. Uh huh. What was your experience doing that show? Did you love it? <laughs> um, it was complicated because, it, it, I, yeah, it, I saw I was like, what, like 20? And uh, yeah, it was my first real sort of like experience with the show. I didn't know much about it. Um, and then it was like fun and weird, like largely what it came down to was like, it was enjoyable because the group of people in the show was like a nice little ragtag bunch of randos. Yeah, good. Um, I got to have sort of like a very sort of like sudden intense connection with a few of them, which was like lovely and overwhelming because that was just the time of my life that it was. Mm. But yeah, really grateful for the experience for yeah, sure. Great. And certainly like a thing that it did the thing that I think a lot of people have an experience with when they're in the performing arts of like that being sort of my first major brush with that show. As we, it seems to happen a lot to people that even like in high school productions of musicals, like yeah. because you go through that, that musical gets real deep into your heart for oh, a while. Oh yeah, it means a lot to you. And as we'll sort of talk about, as we talk about this production of Spring Awakening, it's like, it takes some time for it to get dislodged from that part of you to get to a point where you can kind of observe the piece as a standalone piece of art and not just as like a sentimental relic from your history. Oh sure, I don't think that ever goes away. Sure. Well, that's the thing. Yeah, to, to an extent it won't. But this was like this production of Spring Awakening was the first time that I guess it had been enough time for me to kind of observe it with maybe just like more mature eyes, I suppose. Sure. Um, I guess. But yeah, grateful for my time playing Bobby Mailer in... Bobby Mailer, he's the best. He is the best. What's he the best at? Um, looking hot. Is my so nasty in those khakis. Yeah, I believe that's what they're talking about in that song. When they say nasty, they mean like hot. Yeah. Because, okay, interesting. That's a weird way to say that. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> yes. Which, yeah. yeah. Which I think is a valid thing to say about a lot of the things that get said in this show. Yeah. But I love this show. You love Spring Awakening? I love Spring Awakening. I have for a long time. It's, okay. Yeah. Do you want to talk about why now? Or you want to talk about it after we start talking Probably about it? Probably after, I guess. Okay, Because there's also not that interesting of a reason. It's just a song that I heard some songs and liked it. Um, what is the Young Australian Broadway Chorus? Young Australian Broadway Chorus. Which is like the people that did this. Yes. So this was put on by Young Australian Broadway Chorus. They are... From what I understand, I'm not engaged with them much, but like they are, it's a young musical theatre group that puts on a bunch of shows and runs a lot of classes for musical theatre. So it's like, uh, what's that? Uh, Star Kid? Is that one? No. What am I thinking of? Starbound? Star, no, no, I did Starbound, but is not, that not Starbound. What you're about? No, Starbound is like a two week boot camp sort of thing. Uh-huh. Whereas this, I think, runs a kinky classes. boot camp. A kink. Oh. Oh, that's good. That's how you get a balloon drop. Yeah. Um, <laughs> Welcome to the Kiki Boot Camp. Boom, 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 boom. That's all the balloons. Um, <laughs> and then one Malthouse Theatre spray of confetti cannon, and then Lizzo a starts. A <laughs> balloon descends from the ceiling. Oh, uh, anyway. <laughs> it's about damn time. 
Uh, there's going to be a balloon drop now. <laughs> we will be doing a spooky immersive experience, and Lizzo may begin. <laughs> Sheesh. Um, so young Australian Broadway course. Yes. Um, and yeah, I believe they run classes, um, and they're just yeah young Australian people putting on. Broadway productions. That does that. That that adds up. Adds up. Great. Um, and I'll say straight away, they've got some amazing voices in the Young Australian Broadway Chorus. Yes. One of the one of the most apparent and best things about the show, hands down, was the singing. Like the the voices are just so good. Mm-hmm. Those harmonies are so strong. Mm-hmm. And I, 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 this is also just something I I have about watching young people perform. I never expect it to be very very good, mm-hmm. but I was very just blown away by the vocals. Sure. Um, well, be... I saw Wesley's Rent, so I'm you ready for... You did see Wesley. I'm so <laughs> upset I couldn't speak to you about Wesley's Rent. Um, well, you're something of an aficionado in a high school musical, aren't you? Thank you. There you go. Um, yeah, so the plot, generally speaking, so it's based on a play by Frank Vedekind, mm. and uh, the play and the musical are just about like children in Germany, <laughs> and they are kept in the dark about the ins and outs of what sexuality and sex is. Quack, quack. Quack, quack. Um, the number of times they say dark in this show. They say dark a lot, quack, quack. It was very <laughs> yes, hard to I watch. mentally quacked so many so times. Much. Jesus. The dark I know well. Quack, quack, quack. quack. You can't uh, quack doing that song. You can't? <laughs> frowned upon. Yeah. I, yeah. And so it's like a, a bunch of kids. Their parents don't tell them about sex for the most part. And then they do it a bunch. They do it a bunch. And then it's just about, you know, them... You know, through whatever the means they do, like coming to grips with the fact that they have like bodies that have sexual yearnings, yeah, um, and the perils of that. And I think this is the first time I've seen this show performed by young people like this. Sure. So I think it's it's interesting to sort of see straight up, like people who are sort of close to the age of these children because they're meant to be what like fourteen, fifteen. Yeah. Um, I think it sort of puts it a whole in a, a whole different perspective, like an adult version of this show, because mm-hmm. it's much easier to sort of distance yourself from the reality of it, of like young children experience sexual yearning yeah. when it's just a full grown adult. Mm-hmm. But this time it was there were like uncomfortable moments where it's like, oh, children really do have sex drives. <laughs> <laughs> we should children. <laughs> yeah, I think we should keep them in the dark. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> All right, let's just not tell them about sex ever. Um, yeah, I just thought straight away that was just something. I I wanted to comment on from the get-go. Totally. Yeah. Mm. That's a good thing to bring up. Yeah. Yeah. I guess we should just go through and highlight some of the great moments in this show. Sure. Okay, what's the first standout thing for you? First standout thing for me was... Okay, now this was... Uh, so I loved... All the children took it so seriously. Like, they were the very... The children, like, like the performers. The performers. Yeah. I say children, they're teenagers. Yeah, yeah, All the teenagers were, like, very seriously engaging with this text. And then every now and again, there'd be a scene with the two adults... Oh my god! Somehow received in like uh, <laughs> you want to talk direct- about this first? <laughs> yes. Yeah, I gotta get it out of the way. They received direction from someone else, and were in like a Christmas pantomime, and they would come on <laughs> ringing their little glass. So let's. <laughs> so like two adults perform all of the adult characters, which is kind of which always is a great technique. Yeah, which is and it's always kind of the done thing when this show gets done is like two grown-ups will play all of the grown-ups. Yeah. Um, and so it's Kristen Robertson and Tristan Sakari. Mm. And yeah, so they have to play like Venla's annoying mother. They have to play like Melchior's parents. They have to play the two teachers at the school. Moritz's <laughs> evil dad. They have to play the abortionist. <laughs> they, which is one of the characters I want to get into. <laughs> Because all those characters you've mentioned so far, they play pretty straight down the barrel like they're believable characters. Yes. But then there's characters. So so what was your favourite Kristen and Tristan moment? Oh, 
Kristen and Tristan, I, 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 it sounds like I didn't enjoy it. I loved what they were doing. <laughs> Kristen and Tristan, as uh, uh, Tristan is playing the evil headmaster, yeah. and Kristen is playing one of the headmistress t- teacher. Because all the kids character. go to school. They all go to school. And we spend a bunch of time at the boys' school. And, but the, and even the teacher <laughs> in the classroom is just playing very straight and down the barrel, like, you need to do this. But then they come up on this top level. and like, <laughs> Because sh- there's a, like a balcony in the set, like the set itself looks kind of like a barn. And yeah. on the loft of this barn, they emerge from this door. <laughs> and they do like this Halikino, like pantomime sort of. Well, we mustn't expel the students, Miss. And it is just one of the most baffling, <laughs> out of the blue moments that I was not prepared. I was like, oh, wait a moment. <laughs> but I think it was funny that, like, it was the adults being the ridiculous, over the top characters and the children playing all these very serious, like, sure. roles. Yeah. Like, I think it worked personally. Sure. Yeah. But yeah, it was yeah, just yeah. Funny. He also, Tristan also, as the doctor and the abortionist, did like this Quasimodo hunchback sort of like so, yeah, so stumble across the stage. Yeah, which I love like the doctor that did, like diagnoses Ventola with hey, anemia. Oh, little girl. Yes, it's like yeah. ah! which is great. <laughs> and then when he comes in as the abortionist, and it's, yeah, you're right, like that cloaked figure, of... just like, ah. <laughs> like don't go down there. He's gonna kill your daughter. Like, gonna... <laughs> Maybe like... don't send Wendell there. Yeah. <laughs> Maybe don't... just tell her what sex is. All of these things, but it's interesting in the way of like. Is beyond me enjoying how much it felt like we'd gone to Hogwarts for some of those scenes. It was it, such a different vibe. <laughs> it was like interesting in the way that like the, the the adults debatably like being the villains of the story. Yeah. To, to to see some of them portrayed as such cartoonish Rocky and Bullwinkle style yes. villains was was I don't know just interesting dramaturgically. It was interesting suppose. to me that they decided to make those two the hyperbole silly characters, but mm. all the other adults were played fairly straight laced mm-hmm. I think like, that was interesting to me because not all the other adults are good either mm-hmm. like there are evil ones there as well so I, I wonder why they chose specifically the headmaster and headmistress yeah I wonder yeah. I wonder if it's like a fun thing to do yeah I, I have a feeling they just like did it once in rehearsal and it worked mm-hmm. and they just decided to go with it because that's the vibe I get and I really like that vibe <laughs> I think more of that sure yeah yeah um, Sorry, yeah, I just had to get that no, off fantastic. my chest. No, is there something you want to talk about immediately next? No, your turn. I've had mine. <laughs> um, I'm probably going to end up bringing up like the, the, the things that are less interesting or something. I Go on. <laughs> well, something that it illuminated for me, like watching this production, it's like, and it was, I, and maybe this comes back to like the, the, me maturing a bit in terms of my engagement with this text and my sort of like exhausting familiarity with it. Yeah, it really highlighted for me how frustrating I find the dialogue. In the show? Sure. Even, like, all the text in the show. Like, all the conversations are so, like, stilted and irritating to me. <laughs> and, like, and maybe part of it is, to, like, the, just the number of times I've heard it. <laughs> it just annoys me. Um, and I get the thing of, like, the, the way the show's constructed is, like, all the spoken scenes are set much more in, like, the traditional Frank Vedicant world. Yeah. And then the songs are kind of, like, a contemporary reflection of that environment. Yeah. I get that. But there's something about the way the dialogue functions, the extent to which and the frequency with which the children want to remark upon and talk about the like the weather and the climate and the trees and the woods. <laughs> just I just get fucking sick of it, especially when there's like really like interesting things that I wish they were talking about instead, but instead they have to go via this like scenic route of floral poetic language. I think because of the as you said the way it's set in that world, I always just bought into it that they were just never taught how to socialize, that they're just never taught how to like talk to each other as like human beings. Sure. They always have to associate with each other through this sort of stilted way they've seen their parents sort of talk to other adults. Yeah. 
So I guess I sort of, I put up with it, but it is annoying. Yeah, it frustrates me because that, and then on top of that, and this is a thing that I've never analysed that much in my head either. The songs themselves, for, like vastly for the most part, don't progress anything in terms there of the There are plot. some cuts that could be made. The songs, all like, I'd say, I think you could say all of them and then maybe round down if you find some exceptions. But it's like, they're all just kind of like, of course, no plot gets developed. Like there's no Apollonian like, work in there. It's all just Dionysian emotion vibe wallowing mm. in terms of the content of the songs. Di- Dionysian? Dionysian, uh, as a, you know, uh, the, the from titular, the, from the... you know. <laughs> um, so every every song that happens is just kind of like the vibe of what's happening. Like nothing gets oh, really... Oh, you're right. You know, like there's not a lot of like plot getting developed. or things Feel getting my un- lips. Y- yes. Look at my kiss. So much of it is just like... Vibes. And I was like, yeah. vibes are fine, but it's like... And maybe I was certainly in the mood for some succinctness and some eloquence and some plot. And not not because, oh, I'm going to Spring Awakening, I hope there's eloquence and succinctness. But it just... Because I was in that mood, I was like, mm. oh, God. They really don't say any specific direct stuff to each other. Yeah, I hadn't even thought about that, but until, you're totally like, right. Until, like, Act 2. Until Act 2, no one really says anything. Yeah. Of, it's just people being like, God, it sucks being here. I'm a kid. Yes, even songs that have the illusion of showcasing something or moving something forward. It doesn't really... And, and, and that's part of why I get so like bored and frustrated, I guess, with songs like Whispering. Or like, Whispering... Mm. I'm pregnant, I guess. I hope oh, I don't die. Yeah. And there was also there was like one or there was one or two of the um uh, Melchior and Wendler songs, which I mm. think could probably uh, stand to lose a few verses. And that shit frustrates me too because it's like, oh, it's two young people falling in love, like the things you could say to each other, yep. the things you could sing about, the things you could also direct them to do. Uh-huh. Like I feel like there was a lot, there was too much sitting next to each other, <laughs> just a lot of sitting, smitten like a kitten. Oh god, sure. A lot of it. But I I love stillness in a musical. Sure. But I just wish that. And this is the like the, the musical's fault. Um, give them something vocally interesting to do, or give them something cool to say, yep. as opposed to like every song being so just like, oh yeah, I like you yeah. sort of, but also the wind is here pining, <laughs> <laughs> and even like that fucking like that song that I loathe, that like flip on a switch. Oh yeah, that's dumb. everything's the fun. choreography to that was very good though. Like yeah. them sort of like the swaying back and forth. Oh, like when they're the like, way, the, yeah. As you said, you never see a bunch of men on stage doing something together. Fuck yeah! I thought that was great. Mm-hmm. I will say, mm-hmm. I love any time there is angry choreographed boys, newsies, mm-hmm. lame is this show. Give me some angry choreographed boys. Uh, Matilda, to a degree, sure has it a bit. I agree with that. I would, yeah, sort of like agree and of course stack on top of that, especially if they're in the, like in school uniform, always the mm-hmm. correct decision to make, especially if they're sitting in like a classroom formation. Yep, absolutely. But springboarding off of that remark, mm. it's like, yeah, I like angry choreography, but a thing that I found every time, and again, this is a thing that I've only recently come to terms with, watching this, like, because Spring Awakening has its quintessential like Spring Awakening choreography. Oh, yes. Like that stompy, It's thrashy, a lot of stomping. Yes, and having been in the show, having watched the show so many times and seeing this production, which does it as well, um, I found, and it wasn't until this production that I like sort of like started hunting for the words for it, but it's like the way that the anger occupies these children just doesn't resonate with the way that I feel anger in my body. And I think that's why mm. I find this show frustrating and freshly as frustrating as I find it now. Because it, and I think it also has to do with the music in the way that I don't think the show itself manages to encompass what... And part of it was the strength of this show, especially early on, 
hammering home the idea of like what it is that these children are lacking in terms of their education right. and the frustration present in the text and the themes being like explored. Mm. Like if you don't teach children, they're going to be fucked up adults and you're just going to have these generations of inept people hurting each other. Yes. And that making them, of course, mad, especially when you add in this like sort of contemporary reflecting back at the issue and the way that that's meant to mirror like modern day issues of like planned parenthood and miseducating the young. Yeah. Um, and the way that religion impedes their capacity to learn. Um, and th- th- of course that makes a person angry. It makes a, a person th- back in this Vedican world angry. It makes a contemporary child angry. But the way that the choreography and the text and the music attempts to exemplify that rage just has nev- never resonated with me. And I think largely it's to do with my depression. <laughs> good, <laughs> that when good. I'm When I'm that sort of angry, I guess it makes me more like miserable and still and quiet as opposed sure. to getting to this point of rage. Which was the thing that it just made me reflect upon, I Sure, guess. That's, in, that's interesting. So that's the physical element of the choreography that doesn't resonate with me, maybe just as like a mentally broken person. But I'd say then, too, it comes back to that thing, thing of like a lack of eloquence in terms of like, you are so mad about something so specific and interesting and complex, I wish one person would vocalise that frustration. Yeah, right. And that never comes. And then, not to spoil it, but at the end where they all sing that like, things will get better in the future song, it's like... I don't think it's go- like it w- not based on anything that just happened. Is this going to improve? Oh no! It doesn't. The, the show does not leave us on a note of thinking. Oh, they will all discuss their findings and be happily with each other. No, it, yeah, it, no. it does end on a note of. The system wins, children die, and everything is wrong with the world. Yes, and they do, like, they're not to talk about Smash, but it's like, they couldn't end the original version of, in the show, there's a point where they're doing, like, a a Boston showing of the musical, and it ends with Marilyn Monroe's suicide, and no one claps, and it's like, and then, you know, Deborah Messing has the realisation, you can't end a show with a suicide. And and it just felt like, when they solve it by getting Marilyn Monroe to sing Don't Forget Me, and it's just a song about how, like, when you think of diamonds and birthdays, think about Marilyn. Marilyn Monroe. That's a good song. Yes, and it's like, oh, you need to leave them upbeat. And so it seems like they've slotted in this like watered down version of like 525,600 minutes. I love the song of Purple Summer. Great. That's right. one of my favourite songs from the musical. Sure, that's nice. You know, and, and, and that's the thing, but it's almost like... You watch it. But it's nearly that thing of when you like end a movie and then you put an upbeat pop song to the credits to tell people that they had a good time. Yeah, Celine Dion starts belting at the end of the show. Yeah, it's yeah. like, you can't just do this and then brainwash me into thinking like, oh, good, those kids are going to be okay. Yeah, you're right. Without, without the song of Purple Summer, it really is just... I'm it's a Melchior- kid with two dead friends. Yes. <laughs> 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 it's like, don't kill yourself, Melchior. <laughs> it's like, I guess I'm hallucinating my dead lover. Yeah, yeah. it is a bit that, isn't it? Because what is that meant to be? Is that meant to be the actual ghosts, or is he is he just is he driven insane with grief? And this at is the another- age of fourteen. Well, that's like, what's that's, that about? That's like, so. If you aren't familiar with it, so it's like Melchior has a like he's in love with Vendla, accidentally impregnates her. She gets an abortion that kills her. Before trigger that, warning, baby death. Trigger warning, baby death. I guess depending on what you. Think, think of abortion. Carry on. And then his other friend, Moritz, who got like expelled from school under suspicious, very unclear circumstances. Yeah. Who then, yeah, who then killed himself because of the shame that he brought to his family and himself. Oh, which talk we'll talk about. about. Oh, absolutely. Yeah, good. Um, so they both come back as ghosts <laughs> to like sing to Melchior when he's contemplating his own suicide. And it's like, and that's another one of the times where it's like, you've got these two characters to come back mm. to talk to his, their suicide contemplating friend. And the best you can get them to do is be like, don't, don't forget, do don't do it. But they barely even say don't yeah. do it. They're just like, life's well, good. 
Yeah, they're like lives vaguely also, good for non-distinct reasons. If and they're meant to be like him imagining them, what part of his brain is conjuring up this idea of things are going to be good? That's why, and that's why it seems like it can't be him imagining them because he was about to slit his own throat. He wouldn't then. Yeah, that was a pretty drastic move. Yes. Oh my <laughs> like, time God. to die. Time to neck myself here in the graveyard. Yes. Uh, Jesus. They're dramatic children. They, they are dramatic children. They don't have much to do. They talk about penises and Latin and killing themselves. That's the, where do you get a gun? So he's, you know what? Um, I want to quickly just. Go on. Is there any, anything else that you want to say about the ghosts? <laughs> no, no, I said everything I needed to. Yeah, well, yeah, I think that just comes back to the issue that I'm stuck on of, like, you've got these ghosts coming back, presumably of their own accord, because it seems odd for Melchior to conjure ghosts. There's no reason he would be trying to psych himself up. Unless it was, like, him being, like, if, if they'd had, like, some sort of, like, earlier conversation about the value of living or about True. something that the, yeah. the ghosts... That he could, like, in thinking about his own death, then be like, "Oh no!" But Vendler said that thing about how suicide is wrong. Or Moritz told me once Truth. that living is it worthwhile. It comes out of nowhere. It comes out of nowhere, and then these ghosts turn up, assuming that they did it like Christmas Carol style, like they brought themselves there. Then all that the like the the, the, the musical makers do to them is like, okay, just vaguely sort of sing about like how you've got friends, and sometimes they leave, but they'll always be your friend. <laughs> but do it spooky. <laughs> Your ghost. Yes, and then yeah, and then they'll embrace, and then then it's the purple summer. <laughs> and I guess we're dressed in modern clothes now. Yes, I want to go out and a quick quick side and just say um, Jackson Kemfield as mm. Moritz. Oh my god, S- champagne casting. Oh my god, champagne casting. Oh. That was the lankiest, yes. <laughs> most watchable, and believable character on that stage. Tell me more about Jackson. I'm so obsessed with him. I'm obsessed. <laughs> I'm obsessed with the way he moves. I'm obsessed with the way he's got these giant eyes and that beautiful, like, long, awkward length hair mm-hmm. that I think is just suits the character so well. Yeah. Um. He's got that. He's got a really great voice because he had actually also Darcy Smith who played Melchior. Yeah. Both of them had this thing where they're young enough that they still have the it sounds like a child, mm. but you can hear the 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 puberty man coming yeah. through. And I think Jackson in particular had this really great way of singing where every time I thought something was about to go wrong, <laughs> like I thought I was like, I was ready for the voice to break, but he never did. Yeah. And I just think that sort of line to walk is really impressive. And especially for like a show like this, I think it works so well and it makes it so much more heartbreaking yeah. when, as Jake spoiled earlier, he <laughs> kills himself. Yeah. Um, and I, do, do you, do you have things you want to say about oh my him? God, no, I, I just want to like echo the thing that you said that I'm so, it's so wonderful that you noticed this as well. The, the thing of like, Jackson's voice being it, so many times like you could feel it being on the cusp of something that sounds very adult mm. and mature and rounded and it's like and it adds the like the devastation of the journey that his character goes yeah. on because like it's this boy that's trying to turn into a man but he's like not there yet so of course he's incapable of behaving like one yeah. and also who's going to help him grow up yeah. and to whatever extent that was like a decision that Jackson made or whatever the fuck is going on it was just like really really beautiful really really and, beautiful to watch yeah, I, like, and for that reason like a style of touching that like yeah, it was really oh my fantastic. God. When he the the scene where he actually trigger warning suicide, um, <laughs> <laughs> just throwing that out there. When he actually and also spoilers, I guess. Um, <laughs> if you're at this point though, when he actually does put the gun in his mouth, yes, I, that bit was so well timed and directed. Yeah, I just think like the the simple like, you could hear a pin drop, puts the gun in his mouth single breath in and the lights go out immediately. Yeah. That was just... Oh, then it's like a gentle guitar strum or oh, something? Oh, goosebumps. Like, oh, God. It's nice for a suicide to sound like that as opposed to, like, the blackout... Dunk! <laughs> <laughs> yes. I guess he did it. 
I'm glad I heard the gunshot because I know he's dead now. I love seeing the silhouette of a group of audience members jolting at the sound of a gunshot. <laughs> too frequent. Too frequent. The bodyguard opened with that. Yes. Um, yep. Yep. Um, so Jackson, bravo. Oh my god. Bravo. I also really enjoyed like. Again, having seen so many Moritzes in my stupid life, his version of it being one of, like, I just adored his, like, frantic, boyish, like, anxious, kind of, like, soft and sort of, like, gently kind of feminine version of Moritz, where it was, like, Mm. it was especially evident in the scene where he's talking to Melchior in, again, Melchior's house about, like, sex stuff, and Melchior's mother comes in to sort of check on them. And you can see... Jackson sort of like straighten up into this like style of child that I think we've all been or seen mm. where it's like they're just like this like swirling tornado of uncertainty and confusion mm. that they can like mask as being sort of like quirky and put together and formal in front yes. of adults and yeah. it's like you, you, you can absolutely see his performance was like it was so clearly this kid is lost and terrified mm. But you can see him scoop himself together and pass for a person when he needs to. Yeah. And yeah, for that to just, yeah, to, to witness that mask be clomped on was fun. A- any scene where Jackson and Darcy were having a conversation was great. Mm-hmm. I think they had some really, really gorgeous chemistry together. And I loved any of those scenes where they were sort of like trying to sort of talk to each other about sex. Mm-hmm. I think they just worked really well together. Sure. I also want to say, um, Amelia McConnell. Mm-hmm. Amelia McConnell was just one of, you know when there's a cast member who, Every single time you look at them, they're doing something. They're yes. making choices. <laughs> and that was Amelia McCall. Especially any time she delivered a line, it was like her entire body was used for that line. Yeah. And I appreciated that. The same can be said for me of Jack Weiss? Weiss. Weiss? Jack Weiss? Weiss. I've heard it said either way. By whom? Rocky Horror Show. Janet Weiss. You're talking as if they're related to each other. Maybe they are. <laughs> Jack, write in. Let me know. Um, was also just someone who just gave such a genuine and charming performance anytime yeah. he had a line. I was like, "You, are, I know that boy. I that's that's a nice, good boy <laughs> from school, and he was always friendly." And I just think <laughs> Jack knocked it out of the park. I just wanted to shout out those two. That's great. Sure. And yeah, no. And if you're gonna talk about Amelia being fantastic, like mm. even just like the three of them, like the three gals when they're talking about like the first time that you see them sort of like dicking around in the forest and they're like oh I have a crush on this guy I have four a crush on this four of them with Velma four, there's what? There's uh, four of them with Wendler with Velma <laughs> I was watching Scooby Doo yeah oh my god no but they, and they've all got like a different coloured dress on and it felt mm. like oh my god I don't know it felt like a, like a mixture of like the pink ladies from Greece and also like those triplets from Beauty and the Beast <laughs> and I guess also the women from Pirates of Penzance Sure, any cluster of fun women in cool dresses. I mean, <laughs> yeah, it was just like fun, dynamic, and it felt like a bunch of young people hanging out together. It did, and this is the thing, it felt like a young children actually having time together rather than like a bunch of adults, mm. which I really liked. No, I loved, yeah, any time they were all together. Yeah. Um, is it time? <laughs> before, before, oh, before, whatever that is, I also want to say, we're going to cut you off. Yeah. Um, Francesca for Mary, uh-huh. as Ilsa. She needs to record a goddamn jazz album. <laughs> I would listen to that voice. She sounds... She's got a beautiful voice, and I mean this with all the love in the world, where it sounds like she's smoked a bunch. Right. Like, she, her voice is just so sultry and gorgeous mm. and full. Yeah. And anytime she was on and singing... She was only on for, like, maybe two songs I think she had. I wanted more, bitch. <laughs> and in terms of her characterization of Ilsa, so if you don't know, Ilsa's the one who's like a bit older than the rest of like the principal characters. Mm. And she 
left sort of like live in this artist commune off by herself and she mm-hmm. kind of has this backstory that everyone kind of knows about of this girl that sort of like left and she's just vaguely this somewhere else. Girl. Yeah, and then yeah. runs into like a suicidal Moritz in the woods. Yeah. And uh, her, but like, the two of them, but like her performance in that scene especially was like, it, you know, in a way that I'd never seen before when I've seen this, this scene done was like, it was this like sort of devastating thing of like, it was clearly like two children trying to help each other, but neither of them knowing how to do it. Yes. No, you're absolutely right. It was yeah. like the, all the pieces were there. They just weren't fitting. Yeah. And it's like most of the time when I've seen Ilsa's done in the past, it's always been like this child has gone off and become wizened and then has come back and like, seems to have found some true sense of like happiness and herself. Yeah. Whereas like, but this performance, it was quite excitingly this thing of like, this is still very much absolutely a child who's gone off and maybe has like learned adult language and has Mm. maybe become too sort of like, has become sort of like an imitation of adulthood by just by virtue of being around adults who treat her inappropriately like an adult who then encounters this child that she still very much sees herself in but is, you know, playing the part of someone that's learned about life while having learned nothing. Yeah, which was just, yeah, I'd I'd never been upset in that way watching that scene before. Oh, there you go. Yeah, it was really impressive watching that. I think her um, duet with Asia Glenn for um, Dark I Know Well. Oh, Quack Quack, yes. Quack Quack. I mean, I thought that was a really, really well-delivered song. Yeah, oh my God, about being molested. About being molested. (laughs) They did not shy away. I thought they would, like, scrub one or two things up, but they didn't shy away from anything in this production. No, no. Did that bring you on to your thing you were going to bring up? I love how you can tell from the type of giggle that I, I give know you what you're going to talk about. What I'm about to talk about. Um, so, so there's two gaybos. The two gaybos, the two kids were terrific. Oh my god, I love them Fantastic. so much. Fantastic, and it's like, and I'm sure you're the same way. Like when you when you have these sorts of like gay representation moments, like it better be done well, it or it's homophobic. Well. Exactly. <laughs> um, Jacob Carr is Hunchin, and Har- Harley Sayer is Ernst. Yeah. Oh my god. Great names I'm as well. Sure. Yeah, for the Great characters. Names. We'll have a, a bunch of stuff to talk about in terms of how this goes. Yeah. yeah. So first off, I want to say that I was like especially in love with Jacob Carr's mm. handshin. Just because the moment the scene began, it, it was like the slinkiness with which... Oh my god. I just like... The way that he played this handshin mm. with this level of like fun queer menace. Yes. <laughs> that I was like... I don't know. It almost like teetered on the brink of kind of like... Not caricature because it was too complicated, but it was like I really hope that somehow his performance of Hanshin sees a, like a renaissance of like sneaky gay villains. Yes, <laughs> like it, bring them back. Oh my god! Bring it made back. it somehow almost made me f- think about like Henry Brett's performance in Lil Abner when they did it at the VCA. He was playing oh. like a lime green suit villain. <laughs> oh, <laughs> like, I wish I'd seen the that. way. Yeah. Oh my god. The, but yeah, the way that Jacob had that energy of like hmm. hmm I suppose. I'm a pussycat. <laughs> so good. It was just entrancing. It's like, I get why you'd be in love with this guy. Yeah. And I, I will say, um, Harley, I thought, was just so cute as yeah. Ernst. Oh, his oh little my voice. God, his little voice. <laughs> and just the, oh, I just think so, squ- and again, another version of young gay man that I've seen everywhere. Yeah. Little squealy, scared thing that's not quite sure. I just think that pairing was so cute. Oh my God, it was devastating. It was so nice. Oh. God, and that was, and that's the thing. That's one of the rare instances of like the text actually telling us stuff. Mm. It actually being about the, the type of. And I don't think it's a gayness thing. The, the, the them talking about how like Ernst has this deluded idea of like becoming a priest and that being a satisfying yeah. life and that being a thing that would really help him. And Hutchin being like, "What the fuck are you talking about?" <laughs> and and then talking about like, "Okay, well, we can be in, like sort of in love right now, and like who knows what's going to happen, but like we can be in love right now." Mm. And they quite explicitly have that conversation, as yeah. opposed to like talking about the woods and, <laughs> and talking yeah. about the wind. Remember when we feed the children? Yeah, all that fucking shit. It yeah, just, you're right. Yeah. I'm hearing it now that I look at the show again. Yeah, and then then when they sing that like the, "I'm gonna bruise you" song, it's like that kind of like 
has more significance because we've got this like bedrock of actual conversation mm. that is then like yeah and it's like having been gay people that have a past it's like yeah you are going to bruise each other it is, it is that part of that song is always more interesting for me the gay men singing that bit mm, of that sure. song I always care about maybe it's a gay bo bias maybe maybe um, but then they do end the scene <laughs> <laughs> That, wh- this wasn't in the original text. I've never seen it done before, but the, it, the scene ends with like a rigorous fingering behind a ladder. I think it's beautiful. Look, there's not, I have nothing against gay sex and such. <laughs> just never seen you? it done. I, th- it was, I think it took me by surprise. Like, if they'd done the scene differently, maybe it would have shocked me less. But the way they did the scene was so like tender and complicated mm. and gripping. And like, it's one of the times that I felt most during the show. Same. Like, I oh absolutely God. agree. It's I was like, like don't hurt him. Yeah. Like, <laughs> but also there's something about like the act of... <laughs> We're going to talk about fingering, everybody. <laughs> the act of fingering is so like... They're your fingers inside, so like that's mm. wearing someone like a ring. Which, after a different song, could be like, oh yeah, that happens next. There was something about the way they sang that g- g- tender, beautiful song, guilty ones, whatever it was that happens, and then it ends with like a fingering to still a very like soft, almost ethereal backing track. I loved it. it I, well, I, yeah, I guess I have to say, like say I loved it as well because it was confusing in yes. the way like. Fingering rarely has this underscore. Yes, fingering <laughs> is rarely displayed as something romantic. But it is. Romantic and, and so tender, softly it's very lit. intimate and close as well. Like, uh, you won't feel closer to someone than when you have your fingers in their butthole. I think there's you other know, things. No, I'm telling you, that's it. That's the peak. Uh, <laughs> yeah, not when the two of you are holding your firstborn child together. It's when you got fingered that that's time. Good. Yeah, I would stand by that, I reckon. Um, quote um, me on that. Yeah, I I really appreciated fingering being done in such a beautiful light. Literally, make weird choices. Make weird choices! Yeah. (laughs) Make interesting weird choices. (laughs) Always. Yeah, oh my god, don't be safe. I want to see a sensual and slow fisting next. In what musical? Cats. (laughs) Who gets fisted in cats? I don't know. Ian McKellen? Playing whom? Doesn't doesn't he? He's, he's in the movie. He's he like, is, but I didn't think you were talking about the movie Cats. Who do you I'm thinking you should go back, reshoot Cats, and you want Rebel Wilson to fist Ian McKellen. I don't want Rebel Wilson to fist anyone. <laughs> Let's just move on from this. Um, not to keep bringing it back to how wonderful Moritz was, but it's <laughs> going to be mostly that. Not to become Jackson Camelfield's <laughs> biggest fan. The scene where he gets punched by, like, he gets hit by his dad. Oh, that was so good. Oh my god. That was like a real slap. The genius that lit Tristan Sakari in that almost like film noir style, mm. like low light that made him seem like an abusive alcoholic dad. Yeah. Um, are you finding the lighting person? The lighting Thank person. you. Um, yeah, the way that they had it lit like that, that made you completely understand. Because that's the only glimpse of Morris's home life that we get. Like Linda to think Hum. That, pardon? Linda Hum. Linda Hum lit Linda it. Hum. Congratulations. Um... The, the fact that that was the only image we got of Morris's home life mm. and the way that that then coloured... Morris's entire like nature and behavior and mindset like of course someone living like this is going to have all these anxieties and more yeah like to a then, villain of a father yeah to then be like oh, I think I might have failed school and then to get hit and then the way that his body fell to the ground like, yeah. like, a, like a like stepped on three little stages boom 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 yeah, yeah. And, and, and then seeing him on the ground and again the way that he was lit he looked like this like broken little cricket of a man yeah and I was like this is so upsetting horrible <laughs> you're right that bit was really really effective yeah I thought there was that, there was that and there was another slap that happened I think it was when Wendler's mum slaps her when she finds out she's pregnant, which I was just like, it looked so much like a real full-on slap in the face. Mm-hmm. And I genuinely still can't tell whether it was or wasn't. If it was, then fucking Hannah, well done for taking such a good slap. <laughs> Jesus. 
Like, we heard it throughout the theater just rebounding off the walls. Mm. Great slap. Yeah. Good slaps in this show. Great slaps, good slaps in Spring Awakening. What's yeah. your favorite song in Spring Awakening? That's a really good question, Jake. Thank you. Um, I mean, you can't go past a, 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 um, a fucking Bitch of Living, can, can you? Sure. I mean, that's a classic. Mm-hmm. Bitch of Living. I also really love Don't Do Sadness. Really? It's probably my, one of my favorite songs from the show. I just think it's such a beautiful and touching song. Okay. What about you? God, but again, Don't Do Sadness, it's like, he's contemplating killing himself, and like, you say nothing really about... I'm dumb, I like the song. That's I, But it's like, the tone of it's great. If you sang it in French, I'd be like, this song must be about something. Like, they must talk about depression and misery in the way that I've never heard it said before. But then you read the, like, the lyrics of I Don't Do it Sadness. It be some sort of laundry line. I Don't Do Sadness, not even a little bit. I, I can't have it in my life. <laughs> Come on! God, you're, these are like teenagers having the biggest emotions they've ever had and they don't say anything really illuminating about any of the feelings they're having. I still like the song. That's good. <laughs> I really like the song. And I think it's also like, it's once again, it's kids trying to express themselves with what they have. Sure. I don't think they're going to like start soliloquizing. But it's a musical. Yeah, yeah, I, st- I still think it makes more sense for them to be speaking in this sort of weird, stilted way. Sure, I it's... think that makes sense. No, it's a fair point. I guess that's just why I find it frustrating. Go watch Joseph and the Amazing Technicolor Dreamcoat. If you want some eloquence. Yeah. Yes. <laughs> Joseph's mother, she was quite my favourite wife. That's right. <laughs> um, no, I forgot how much I liked My Junk as a song. Oh, yeah, that's such a cute moment, isn't it? Yeah. Yeah. And it's a song where they actually say stuff. Yep. Yep. And I, 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 it's also a song where you get to watch the entire ensemble come on and like pretend to be coyly flirting with someone, which I think is very sweet. Yes, and there's a whole thing, and that's also a chance where we get to see, I, that is the song where we get kind of what is, ends up being kind of like the entirety of Georg's, I guess, character journey in the piece. Him playing the piano, being turned on by his teacher. Yes. And then... <laughs> and then he's just like a lad. Then he's just kind of around. He's just ladding around. Yeah. He's got, I will say, um, Campbell Bowery. Campbell, Campbell Bowery. I'm thinking of someone else. <laughs> Campbell Lowry. Um, great voice. Really good voice. Really good voice. Looks very nice in his glasses. Mm. And he was one of the people... Because by the point that I think it was in Totally Fucked. Yes, definitely Totally Fucked. Was the point at which I'd come to terms with my like... I don't find this choreography cathartic because of my own mental shortcomings. Sure. But then when Totally Fucked came around, I found myself just drawn to watching Campbell's... Like, at the part where everyone's on stage and they're just like thrashing around. Yes. It was like there was something about the way that Campbell was doing it where it was like, oh, you're convincing me that this actually does feel good. There's like a way he moves his body that is very interesting to watch. Yes. It's yeah. something there's so much of him that he yeah. flails around in a way that he just does. In it. Like, yeah, maybe it's part, partly like the risk of like, oh, if you put a, like a giraffe on roller skates, who knows what's going to happen? Speaking of risk, there was a lot of stepping up to and jumping off of chairs and ladders and ladders but that totally fucked when they're just like all leaping over each other on the chairs how did no one get kicked in the face how did no one get kicked in the face well done (laughs) yeah um who 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 do I thank why are you making owl sounds I want to find the choreographer (laughs) Victoria Morris great I mean I do not envy someone that has to choreograph that many 16, 17 year olds no (laughs) no that sounds like a nightmare to me but Victoria well done yeah because no one got kicked in the face when they were all flipping and kicking (laughs) I call that a success it is a success okay so just on my mind so as at least I said that I think you agreed with so many of the songs that it's kind of like Vibes? Vibes, yes. <laughs> yeah. Yes, mostly vibes. I wonder if you could either like change one of the existing songs or insert a new one that might be a bit more succinct in any sort of moment. Ooh. Is there Ooh. a place you would put one? I think 
bitch of living and um, mama who bore me, <clears throat> I would probably try and work in some more character moments. Like, some more, like... I think especially in, like, bitch of living, there could be a lot more, like, rather than, you know... What are the... What are the I'm sorry, I'm getting it mixed up with Totally Fucked. Yeah. Just, what? like, to- talking about, like, how nice it is to sort of masturbate, but it's really annoying because every morning it's not masturbating. I think they could be more, like... <laughs> My particular reason that I'm upset with life is this. Oh yeah, that'd be fun. Like my father is a cunt, or my my mother never loved me. Like I think there could be more. Almost like, like a la like Sydney and Muriel's wedding. Yes, <laughs> yeah. Like I'm a fully grown character, and here's why I'm upset. Yeah. Like I think that could work. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. No, that'd be fun. Coloring your songs with character motivation. Yeah. Um, what about you? <laughs> um, I don't know. My mind for some reason goes straight to you know when Melchior gets shipped off. To to that reformatory and yes. then all of those like the like, um, a scrunky bunky sort of like little Oliver's Oliver Twist style song. Oh, yeah you know how they come in and they're like let's do this game where we all come on these coins. <laughs> <laughs> you want to choose this far as you can. Like there could be something there. Like some sort of song where it's like that like in the like the first school they get that like lovely like we're doing Latin. Under the singing. And at the end, we're saying Latin. They've got that song. But then, yeah, there could be, like, some reformatory version where it's like, I, you know, I really like a number where it's like, we get to know this reformatory. And every beat (laughs) is underscored by somebody ejaculating onto a coin. I'm happy for there to be less coming than there was. Whatever you want. There's a lot coming in this show. But I'd like even, like, oh, the fantasy, of course, would... You know the best little whorehouse in Texas? Yes. Yeah, you know the scene where the footballers are getting ready to go to the whorehouse together? Oh, vaguely. I've seen it. I only saw it once. And they do like the whole dance sequence in the locker rooms after the football oh, game. Oh, yes, yes, And then yes. they get on the bus. Yes. <laughs> right, okay. Something like that. Saying. With all the boys at the reformatory. You get a very whorehouse idea. Okay. <laughs> yeah, and you could even get some of the girls to put on like baseball caps and be in the school as well if you want a big chorus number. Baseball yeah. caps. <laughs> yes, it's of the time. Okay. Yeah. I think I would end the show with a song that wasn't just a happy sum up. I think I would end it with a song where maybe rather than going like, it's okay, I'm not going to kill myself, I'm happy. Melchior, fi- is, yeah, Melchior like finally goes and like tells all the adults off. It's like, this is wrong because of this reason and I am sad. And like all the kids are sort of like, yeah, we're sad as well. And it doesn't really end with like a, everything's going to be fine. It ends with more of like, oh, everyone's realized they're sad, but now they're talking about it. Yes, and you could footloose it. You could be like, this you is why we need to, that's why we have to dance in this town. Yeah. <laughs> that's why we have to talk about sex. Yes. Yeah. Like that, that, that would sense. be more satisfying. And it would be a song where they finally talk about something specifically. <laughs> <laughs> what do you mean? They talk about Purple Summer? <laughs> they talk about, you know, the bitch of living. The vague place they go to when they masturbate. <laughs> yeah. You know, the, being pirates. There's all sorts of things they talk about. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Yeah, that would be a fun ending. Yeah, yeah. Melchior yeah, pulls up his bootstraps. And, and yeah. Almost like a like a, uh, a akin to Dear Evan Hansen when he sort of breaks down and is like, I lied to you all and it's shit, but I did it. Like, I think that sort of vibe of yeah. like just having an absolute rant at the adults and they're just flawed. I think that would be great. Sure, yeah. And then he can start like, whether or not it's like a renegade, like underground school where like kids can come and learn about sex or Save something. Save that for the sequel. Save that for the sequel. Yes! <laughs> Spring Awakening. Autumn sleeping. It's like, oh, is that purple summer? I you that know? Was good. Yeah, <laughs> oh, purple summer. It would just be fucking purple. It'd be summer, purple summer. Yeah. Yes, almost because summer comes after spring. I don't know my date so good. <laughs> but yeah, no, you could make a real human centipede of those musicals, though, if you want all four of them. Oof. What about a human human centipede musical adaptation? 
Where, like, there's one number, there's, like, a trio, and it's, like, the three of them performing, but two of them are just muffled shouts. Oh, God. <laughs> that is something. And I'm thing. the front! <laughs> the end of Human Centipede is so upsetting. Is it? I mean, it's all laughs until then, but... <laughs> yeah, not to spoil one of the best films ever made, but, yeah, it ends with the girl in the middle being alive, and the back oh. and the front are both dead. Oh. So the camera, like, pans away from the girl in the middle of the Human Centipede going... <laughs> <laughs> All right, our listeners don't need to hear this. I think um, this is important. Well, we did it. We did. We're done with another episode. Uh-huh. First episode of the year. How do you feel it went? Oh my god, excited for the year ahead. We didn't do a rating at the start of the. We didn't rate our. That's how rusty we are. We forgot to wow. rate our weeks. Should we rate our? Well, let's rate our month. Rate our break. Yeah, rate the break. Uh, let's just do that right now. Do um, it. I'm gonna give it. Oh. Uh, 2023 stars out of 2023. How come? Because that is the year that we're celebrated. Oh my god! There you go. There yeah, you go. Yeah, wow. Clicked. Just a nifty coincidence. There yeah. So um, that's what I'm giving mine because I'm actually pretty happy with it so far. I think it's a good year. How mm-hmm. about you? What about me? I I'm gonna give it nine stars. Uh huh. Uh huh. Because is that the number of candles there are in a menorah? I, part of me thinks it's 11. 11. But, but I'm not sure. I sure. Don't. It's just I've committed so much time to learning about the Jewish culture and I don't know how many candles are in a menorah. I'm going to Google it real quick. Could you? Yeah. And while you do that, I'll sing a song that sounds like Spring Awaiting but, but isn't. <laughs> oh, the wind blows through the trees and I'm standing next to you and Seven. you're... Seven. Seven. <laughs> <laughs> Not 11, not 9, 7. 7 candles. So I'm giving it to 7, seven days. It was the 7 days. Alright, 7 stars for each candle on the menorah. Happy Hanukkah. Happy Hanukkah. Yes. Um, so what, what are you going to do now? Oh, so, oh, we'll let you guys know. Sorry. I'm interested I care about your life, but I first have to relay the information that we are about to start doing a whole Midsummer thing. We're going to be doing Midsummer, similar to Fringe. We're just going to be having Midsummer-thon. Yes. Yeah, Midsummer so Fest, Midsummer... This time we will come up with a name for what it is that we are doing in talking about a bunch of Midsummer shows That's together. To me. Okay. We, will, we have a little, like a few days to choose what we're going to call it. Yes, <laughs> and then we can, we can start releasing Midsummer content. Yes, so it's going to be similar to Fringe in that it's going to be like slightly more frequently you'll be hearing from us yeah. and we're trying to see as much Midsummer as we can if yep. we haven't like already spoken to you about seeing your Midsummer show let us know you're doing it and we'll yep. see if we can come absolutely um, would be great um, we've already got some, some really good shows lined up oh my god I'm so I'm excited. excited yes we're going to see yeah. so many things I'm excited because we and I are going to go and see Judy on the same night oh yeah we're both going to a, like it's a Judy, tri- Judy Garland thing. tribute concert I'm that'll be fun about that. yeah yeah, yeah that'll yeah. be a good night yep. um, yeah but yeah super exciting it'll be yep. like a really fun queer time yeah mostly queer Yes. And fun. Mostly fun. <laughs> definitely queer. Yeah, well, we'll see how that ratio ends up stacking up. <laughs> yeah, true. We made as, and that leads us on to, we may disagree with anything we've said so far. We are human beings. We can change our minds. Yes. Um, and don't and friends don't let friends become theatre critics. They don't. They don't. They don't. They don't. And now you're about to go to like the Midsummer Carnival, aren't you? I'm going to the Midsummer Carnival today. Yeah. Right. Flynn is interning with Midsummer, so he's going to be there... Running the show, I assume. Mm-hmm. Um, and I'm going to come along with some friends and sit in the park. So, hey... 
Come down, come on down to the, to the Praise Dionysus stall we have set up. We don't have a stall. It'd oh, be fun be if nice. we got a stall. Yeah, we get a stall and maybe do like a, a live live recording of the podcast. That could be fun. That could be fun. Okay, maybe that that's, could be unbearable. That's a little dream for us. Yeah, <laughs> right in. Let us know. Yeah, 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 <laughs> yeah. Um, great. Thanks for being here with us. Thanks for letting us talk to you for so long. It's so nice of you. Yeah. Oh my God. Um, and happy New Year. <laughs> happy New Year. Happy Spring Awakening. Oh yes. <laughs> happy <laughs> Joseph and the Amazing Technicolor Dreamcoat to you. Happy Paulini to you. Oh, happy Paulini to us all. Yeah. <laughs> Praise her. Praise her. Thank you.